Previously on Potific Weekly. By the way, Dumbledore, I want you to know that I'm a death eater. Start stuffing lemon drops left and right. Dumbledore will be eating disorder clinic to binge you on lemon drops. I'm so excited! I'm so excited! I'm so... scared! There's a law saying you can't take a bath with a giraffe. Are you serious? In my my home city, you can't take the lion to the beast. In Alaska, you cannot push a live moose out of a moving airplane. (laughs) You're not allowed to beat a rug or drug it in the public square on a Sunday. We're not allowed to have sororities in Pennsylvania because if over 16 women live in a house together, it constitutes a brothel. And in your home state, it is illegal to sell one's eyes. Ew. In Connecticut, it is illegal to purchase alcohol after 9 p.m. or on a Sunday. It's illegal to sleep on top of a refrigerator outdoors. A person is not eligible to become governor if he or she has participated in a duel. Julia, this may be a problem for you. Ministers uh. are forbidden from performing marriages when either the bride or groom is drunk. What? Why is that a problem for me? Bullets may not be used as currency. There is a ban on men, and I quote, becoming aroused in public. Who checks? <laughs> <laughs> How do you possibly enforce that one? Voldemort oh, yeah. is totally overusing the royal we. We shall let you do this, and we shall. I'm like, there's no one with you. You are an I. You, you know what? He is in pieces, though, so it kind of makes sense. <laughs> oh, I missed y'all, Aww. too. I'm so glad. To- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, Cody just wrote, in Ohio, it's illegal to get a fish drunk. <laughs> no. Has Ryan given anybody else's post on Fandom Wank? I want to be involved in the post on Fandom Wank. <laughs> he's I need starting, to be involved in this. He's starting a group on Live Journal. Nope. He's calling it "It's My Fandom Too," and he's just written the most brilliant post I've ever. Wow, <laughs> oh, it's really freaking long. Have you gotten to the junior prom yet, Jen? No, I'm still at Yoda. When 900 years old, you reach look as good you or not. Hmm? <laughs> Self-important gas bag bitching. (laughs) You are welcome to kiss my fat ass. (laughs) (laughs) The latest version of Hermione who liked to wear bikinis. (laughs) Can't you just see Danielle giving him a look over the dinner table? Does he include significant glances anywhere in this? (laughs) No. <laughs> he did tell me earlier on the phone when he was thinking of writing this, he's like, Yeah, I had to go find other people because it was starting to threaten my sex life. Why isn't this an awkward moment? <laughs> Where was this posted? Ryan's creating a new live journal group especially for this post. But he's gotta learn how to use the live journal first. I, I told him I would teach him how. He just like he's like, Can we do it later. Can we do it later? <laughs> I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. I was like, Ryan, I'll do it for you. I didn't know what he was doing. I thought he was making yeah. a new book for a community. He's hey, like, everybody. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Oh, God, you're reading the thing. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it's so made of wind. I love it. Kaz's, I sent it to Kaz she wrote back, I love you. So what do you think? Post it? Yeah. I'm still reading it, but so far, yes. Okay. Well, now I hate to tell you, but ever since I wrote this thing, I've been staring at my ass in the mirror. Hi, Tushy. What? <laughs> <laughs> Keep reading, Julie. Yeah, I like how you ended it. <laughs> Good evening, Poofa listeners. Ryan made this post of when, and he's going to put it on Live Journal, but it's caused him to consider his ass in the mirror for the last hour. Instead of Danielle asking the question, he's turned to her and said, Honey, do you think my ass is too fat? I think my boyfriend's ever so dreamy.
that. So Fort Worth is shutting down because Mexico gave us swine flu. Yeah, I saw that today. How are you doing? It's really frightening. Like, it's really, really frightening. Like, I'm getting to the point. You know, James works at the hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's actually the one that's, like, putting the thing up the nose to get the snot out to do the test to tell them if they have flu. Like, that is what he does. My dad just had hip surgery. So mom and I are switching husbands until this is finished because he can't come baby. home from the hospital and bring Lee. Right. He could die. Everything is shutting down. It's crazy. I've right. never seen anything like this. I hate to tell you, but they're probably going to delay Star Trek. <gasps> <gasps> what? What? Well, no, they this might. In areas, in, you know, in areas where they're shutting down like that, they probably don't want a lot. They canceled Star Trek in Mexico because they don't want people in the movie theater together. So you've heard in Boston about oh, how they're doing God. this. This is becoming a... Yeah, there's um people at Harvard have it. So well, like it's, it's okay. They're saying it's it's okay if you get it treated in time. Um, well, I mean, you, people die from the flu every day. That's what I'm saying. I'm picturing, you know, like sci-fi movie of the week where, you know, everyone gets the flu and they cough and cough and they spit up blood and they die. I mean, this... Has anybody else read The Stand? I've seen the movie. I haven't. Well, that's a, that's a shame. <laughs> because it all started in Texas, too. <laughs> On that just, note, yeah. before you guys start, you know, talking about Snape and Hermione and sex and karate and oh, whatever the hell you know. There's no, no sex. There's no oh, sex. Oh, oh, are, oh, you oh, sure? oh are you sure there's no sex? Actually, I'm not positive. Because I'm not nice. sure they had sex. Can I just they do not have I'm sex. looking for a name I for my live drama group no here. There is no Can I just ask everyone real fast? Where the hell am I here? This is what I'd like to name the group now. I think just the first <laughs> part is good. <laughs> so oh, are we missing ass wankers or... No, I put the no, comment. I, think I did put the comment. I apologize. <laughs> kiss my ass, comma, wanker. Kiss my wanker, you ass. All right, so what do you think? What's the general? I like the first I think you're fine with just kiss my ass, oh, wankers. <laughs> that, that'll work. I'll let you guys start. Poor body. I guess tiny Three dads and nine dishes. Apple show. Three. Wow. Potter. Thick. Oh, will there ever be again a podcast quite like this? One that brought us together and started its own forum list. Where the hosts are all our friends All those stories told by Jen Will it drive Ryan round the bend Part of it weekly Where the story never ends I just wanted to start off with a funny because I just wanted to throw it out there and we could start off with a funny and then we could go talk about Super Hermione, the master spy. Why don't you go ahead and leave this one? On behalf of everyone, I'd just like to say my hand. Me? No, I'm not leaving it. Yeah. (laughs) You're the one that has awesome notes. Oh, I didn't do them this week. I didn't have time. Uh Uh-oh. Well, well, I didn't have have time. You're not. Well, I don't have awesome notes either, so I have no notes. Because I was going to do them today, (laughs) and then I ended up having to run around all all of town trying to find a keyboard. Um, Well, then, you know what? We'll just punt. But anyway... Well, let's start the episode, though, first. Okay. 
All right, then. Why don't you do it? We'll do it. It'll be new. Oh, okay. Say welcome back to Potterfic Weekly. Well, welcome back to Potterfic Weekly. I'm Jen 2. I'm Jen 1. I'm P.S., not Jen. I'm Julia. (laughs) And I'm Ray. Hi! And we are here tonight to talk about When a Lioness Fights, chapters 39 through 56. And I wanted to start off... 38. Yeah, we stopped stopped 38. Oh, great. I'm already screwed up. (laughs) No, this is 38. 38 through 56, which is actually a lot more chapters than I thought it was going to be. Like... I know. Well, anyway, I want to start off tonight with something a little funny, because we've all kind of had a rough couple of days, and we all need a little funny in our lives. It might be appropriate, it might not be appropriate, but I'm doing it anyway, because Jen 1 told me to lead. So, the serenity prayer. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I cannot accept, and the wisdom to hide the bodies of the people I had to kill today because they pissed me off. (laughs) <laughs> and also, help me to be careful of the toes I step on today, as they may be connected to the ass that I have to kiss tomorrow. Amen. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Let us all be reminded that what goes around comes around. <laughs> For everyone. All right, so let's talk about Super Hermione. Super Hermione. We need to have, like, the Mighty Mouse theme here. Here I come to save the day. (laughs) (laughs) So though we are in danger, we never despair. Because we know that where there's danger, he is there. He is there on the land, on the sea, in the air. Mighty Mouse. I want to go back to my notes and just see if these are things that you've talked about in the other podcasts so we don't copy. I'm assuming that you guys have been all over the student-teacher arc thing. The good... Um, actually, we haven't really... So we haven't really touched it that much. No, we really haven't touched that part as much. I mean, we kind of talked about how the author and when people do ships like this, that they sort of take the student-teacher relationship out of the, the context so it doesn't seem as bad and they put them somewhere else and it's kind of not in your face that, oh yeah, it's kind of icky. But, you know... I just keep, the really, the way I sort of justify it is that way back when girls were being married off at 14, and what's the difference? I mean, at least they always try to make her legal age in these stories. I don't know. It didn't really bother me so much about the student-teacher thing because they were old enough and because she went through the trouble of them not even having basically any physical contact until he went to Dumbledore and said, no, 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 I must not be a teacher or professor anymore. You must let me out of my contract. Blah, blah, blah. But I just, there's so many times in this, in these particular chapters that we are reading for tonight where they're playing the student teacher cat and mouse ridiculously revolting couple game. I want to be this teacher tonight. (laughs) Well, (laughs) hey, listen, that didn't bother me because, you know, people have to get their kinks somehow. So it's a good way as any. For the first time, though, I think this is he's found an equal and I don't think until right. this point and I think that's what the, what the author was trying to emphasize was that she could was his intellectual equal right yeah that's that she too. could be Which, the teacher if she wanted yeah well I don't know I get the feeling sometimes you know like some people are really smart and they're terrible teachers I get the oh, feeling that yeah Hermione would be one of those <laughs> yeah so I, I don't know I, I think she would try to explain things too much yeah she would describe her process and nobody else would get it because that's not a normal person's process right she would use like big words 
It'd be really condescending, and everybody would be like, what? What? And then there was the whole idea that Hermione's, and you just said it, Jen, that Hermione's studious persona makes a really great match for Snape's character, and that's what makes the Snemione ship a good one for me to read. I like to read some of the stories because she is smart, and they are good matches for each other. There are times in this when I wonder how she could have gotten so smart, but, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she was born with the gift diamond. <laughs> she was born doing kung fu and she can't <laughs> I mean I th- I think there's I think there's a sentence I don't even know. I think I I put it down in my notes but there's a sentence when she's like, "Well, I studied it for a few weeks and then I decided that I was going to be a spy." Yeah, I'm a 10th degree myself. <laughs> I'm a tentative blackback because my aunt, conveniently enough, taught me this in my youth. <laughs> oh my god. It's alright. Manipulation in Snape terms. <laughs> so it's why they're, it's why they're good match because she speaks Snape. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, and well, then, so cute too. It's good that she does. And then there was, finally, Ray and I were chatting about this on Skype earlier. Somewhere, I swear that I read that the ships on this story were Hermione and Severus and Harry Draco slash. But um, I don't, I swear I read that somewhere and now I have to go back and find it. Because when I read it, I went, no, there was no Harry Draco slashiness in this. And then I thought, then I'm reading, rereading it, and I'm just like, well, oh, is she just trying to be really subtle? Because Draco does really spend a lot of time looking at Harry's coloring. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe, you know, I actually have got that connotation from the story a bit. I like, think it was definitely meant to be Harry Draco. I, I have some thoughts, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm not nuts now I'm that I'm rereading it? We're not going to laugh at you like we laughed at Mike over Shoebox. I didn't even consider it until I I swear I read it somewhere. I need to go find it, but I'm not going to do it now while we're podcasting. Maybe I'll find it and put it into the episode notes. But I swear I read it, and then afterwards when I'm going back through and I'm skimming the chapters because I've read it before, I'm just like, well, maybe it is really subtle. You know, they're fighting in that gym, and, you know, they're getting all sweaty for each other, and... They're noticing each other's coloring and... <laughs> yeah, they're coloring. You know, I'm with you because I didn't think about it either until like just now when you mentioned it. But like now that I'm thinking about it, I can totally see how you would think that. Because I don't have a very well-honed gaydar. <laughs> you know, like, my, like, be, like, you, like, for me, if I'm gonna, like, if my gator is gonna be going off, somebody needs to, like, first suggest to me that there's a possibility that it might, you might want to, like, turn it on. So, now that I'm, I'm, I'm sure your Judar is excellent. Oh, my Judar is fantastic. But my gator needs a little, like, it needs a warning. But, like, now that you've turned it on, it's starting to blip a little bit. Now, like, I can yeah. see the coloring in the... Yeah, and toward, like, the, toward the end, you know, Harry's yeah. starting to, he's starting to dress well. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wish Draco would just be a little bit more obvious with it. Like, 
because Draco's always been a real a good dresser because he's a Malfoy, so you would expect for him to dress well, but maybe not necessarily because he was gay and took good care in his wardrobe. But by the end, you know, Harry's all about the dressing well and being Slytherin, and, and I'm just starting to wonder, there might be more to this than meets the eye. On the other hand, he could just be Minnie Malfoy. He could be. He could be. I don't know. I think Harry's too backwards. I just don't no, I I I think he went gay for Draco. (laughs) I think (laughs) I won't rule it out, that's for sure. It would be hard not to you at times, I think. I think he stared into Draco's (laughs) ice blue eyes and he went Holy God, this man is a dreamboat. Man is leather. Yeah, hot. <laughs> 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 hot man with great coloring. <laughs> oh, He's like, Jenny, she has nothing for me. It's all Draco now. He's changed for Draco. If Cody were here, she would go, It's Draco and Harry sitting in a tree. S N O G G I N G. It's Draco and Harry sitting in a tree. F A L L I N G in love. <laughs> I'm like sitting here like dancing to this. <laughs> I was like trying to spell it as you were singing. I thought they were. I thought you were spelling failing. August. August. They're failing. First, <laughs> first they're they're sitting in the tree snogging, and then they're they're falling in love. Yay! <laughs> and the truth about the song is that it's actually about the wizard rock band Draco and the Malfoys and Harry and the Potters but we can pretend that it's about Draco Malfoy and Harry Potter in the story I never thought it's never it's not mentioned I'm, so so it's up to I love when stories kind of leave things a bit ambiguous sometimes although I also love it when they just tell you right off when it's hot but I don't know I like that I'm happy it's kind of nice to just let, let the reader use their imagination and sort of take it in either direction you know I think it takes a great deal of artistic talent it's cool. And to have a subtle yeah. side relationship. Yes. You know, as yes. opposed to being like, well, in, like, meanwhile, while Snape and Hermione doing this, or hitting you over the head with what everybody else is doing. But I like that it's subtle, and you can imagine that they're doing things that are important to them, but it's not important to the story. Well, at the same time, though, like, in Deathly Hallows, when we know Ron and Hermione are going off to do stuff, I would have loved to know what they were doing. Well, yeah, but it's not yeah. like, it's, it's not I don't know people that don't know where, what everyone's doing, but that's, I'm just an anal reader. I still want to know how Ron was able to get into the Chamber of Secrets. He could mimic the parcel. Oh, he, he, he went, <laughs> and it opened. <laughs> Made the right sound. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he obviously used a recording thing for his, at the end of his walk. <laughs> Yeah, obviously. Yeah. That just seemed like a very convenient way to tie that up. Anyway, well... By the way, there's a Wizard I... Rock song about that, too. <laughs> Imagine that. Since I wasn't aware that I was supposed to reread Chapter 38, what was happened? there anything... Yeah, was there anything <laughs> important that happened in 38 other than Hermione taking out McNair? Um, Hermione well... goes... To Voldemort. Yeah. Okay. This was really creepy. I don't remember the I don't remember the context of this, but I think it was like right after. Oh, it was right before that. In the beginning of the chapter, Voldemort tells Hermione to make her proud, and that really creeped me out because, like, yes. I think that's later. Was that later? Yeah. Yeah, because I'm looking at it. Um, this is right after they were in the woods and they got ambushed by the Death Eaters, and she went all crazy on them and took them all out. 
And then one of them was Theodore Knott. Right, okay, so it's later. So it says that she was waiting for the burning of the mark ever since that happened, but it didn't happen until, like, hours later. So, like, she goes to report to Voldemort, and I'm, like, skimming the chapter. (laughs) Yeah, and he says... And that's when... Oh, sorry, go. He wants to know who the informant is, and she says she's going to follow, and she finds out, and then she takes out McNair, right? Well, she yeah, she takes them to the cave, or I think this is where she like lures. They were, she yeah, she was like being prostitute like. Yeah, right? she like she like wore like her school skirt and like pigtails. I imagine her looking like Britney Spears in that music video. <laughs> yeah, kind of had that thought too. Oh, yeah. Every time, every time it says something about Hermione turned on her schoolgirl charm, or Hermione, you know, went into her schoolgirl. <laughs> I'm just like, I see her with her little sweater and her Mary Janes and her knee highs. I know. Socks. I'm like, that's sexy. What? <laughs> now, if they said, and Hermione brought out her whips, I would have been like, oh yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> Guess it's all what you go for. Oh, yeah. So she says it right here. Are you afraid to take what you want, McNair? She asked and stepped even closer until her hip contacted with his. Or do you not want me? Yeah, she took him out. She yeah. took him out. Well, he did deserve it. Yeah, he was a he was an asshat. He really was. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say douchebag, but asshat is appropriate. Well, it was an, an exemplary bit of master spying from Miss Granger right there. Yeah, and okay. Sometimes I think that this is really cool that Hermione has turned into this master spy. Mm-hmm. Because the whole idea that she's just like this incredibly brilliant girl who's kind of had buck teeth and all of a sudden she can transform into this kick-ass, beautiful assassin and go and pretty much take hold of the Death Eaters, take no names. You know, it just, I kind of like it. It's trashy. It's like a bee tree. <laughs> Isn't it? It's, but it's so I love it. It's a lot more dark. That's interesting because I think that's part of one of the problems I have with this story because I miss I miss my Hermione, you know. Well, and and that's That's why and that's what that's what I was that's what I was getting to is that this is so un Hermione that I've had to just kind of turn Hermione off in my head, and so I kind of like this story because it's not my Hermione. Does it make sense? Because I, 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 I agree. I, I've turned this into like a uh, <laughs> like a guilty pleasure. It's like, ooh, we have naughty Hermione. And I was like, this is the Hermione that we would never, ever, 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 ever see in fandom. Like, if J.K.R. was ever going to write Hermione, this would be the polar exact opposite of anything that she would come up with. And so we have Killer Hermione here, who at one point, I think, in one of these early chapters, basically goes, well, no, it's one of these, maybe the next one, or the following one. You know, she basically goes to slit Ron's throat, but she's supposed to be good. Hello. Well, I mean, it's... And it's interesting that you say that because, I mean, like, I agree with you that this Hermione is totally not, like, in any way, shape, or form my Hermione. But at the same time, I didn't have such a trouble making the mental leap from canon Hermione to this Hermione. And I don't I think, think I had... I well, I don't think yeah, I had a lot of trouble with it. I just think that it was so intriguing and the idea was so kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> awesome that it was like, ooh, this is like a fun, trashy, yummy kind of story to read. And that, you know, I just kind of like slammed all the way through it the first time I read it. And I'm like, ooh, 
I like this story. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and I don't know that I'd call it trashy, though. Well, I shouldn't say trashy. No. I shouldn't say trashy like I'm saying, like a trashy romance novel, a la, right. you know, Harlequin romance. It's not like that. I just mean that it's like one of those things that you take away. It's like a mindless, guilty pleasure kind of book. You don't think about really? it a lot. I don't, I didn't, because I just, I accepted Hermione for who she painted her as. I didn't stop, and once I made the click in my mind that Hermione was going to be this way, I didn't continually keep going back and saying, well, Hermione wouldn't do this. There were things that caught me off guard, but I just didn't keep questioning it so much. I think I snarked more on Severus, you know, and Albus, and, and Harry, and Draco, but the whole time, you know, I'm just like, Hermione kicks ass. I was like, you rock. But that's the point of the okay. story. Yeah, right. it is. Right. All right. Let us leave on. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. So also in this chapter, we find out that Harry wants Draco in the Order, which is pretty good. It's about damn time. My God. Yeah. And, Speaking and, of which, when uh, Harry says it, he says, I want you in the, in the Order's inner circle. <laughs> <laughs> you want to read between the lines? <laughs> yeah. Again, you know, Harry's gone. Harry's gone gay for Draco. He wants him. Yes. It's right there. It is. Now that, see, you guys, you turned my gator on. I totally didn't see it before, but now that now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh my god, how did I miss this? I had a couple <laughs> thoughts, but I wasn't dwelling on it. Now I'm going to look for it. <laughs> yeah. Like, when, when I have time and I reread this story, it's like, whoa. I'm just sitting here nodding like, oh yeah, it's there. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You remind it's me of the Kool-Aid not- <laughs> Kool-Aid guy. <laughs> What is it with Albus sucking on the candy like he's like a man gone insane every time something <laughs> happens? Sucker. Maybe the can he thinks the candy has like liquid answers. <laughs> that, like if he candy. Wink wink nudge nudge. Yeah. Say no more. <laughs> all this time we just thought it was innocent little lemon drops, but the really sh- <laughs> the sherbet lemons have been infused with hashi shirt. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, oh my god, they're pot lemon drops. Hey, this is great, man. See, Julia, see what happens when you turn your guitar on? Turn on your guitar, too. I know. <laughs> Hilarious. They're pot, they're, they're special lemon drops. They're special. <laughs> they're tart and sweet. Oh, good. Pulls out the brownies one of these times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh now we know why Albus is always hungry. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he's always calling for tea because he's he's smoking too many lemon drops. <laughs> 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 uh, lemon drops for the win. But like, okay. Like, I don't know. I just thought that the whole lemon drop thing was just like overplayed. Like you know how like every character has always got like that one thing that they really just like do all the time, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's just it's too much. It's it was just too much with the lemon drops, and it kind of made me want to strangle her just a little bit. But you know that's okay. There, I, I there got was over. One, there was one scene farther along in the chapters. It reminded me. You know how in House where he carries the pill bottle in his jacket, and every once in a while he pops off the lid and he chews down a couple of Vicodin or whatever. <laughs> lemon drops. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like, oh, twinkly or something. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, shit, I'm having a bad day. I need a few Vicodin. I can just see how this has got some stored in its (laughs) robe. 
<laughs> like, where are those damn kids? Lemon drops. Runs out and freaks out all over everybody. Lemon drops. It's like, call the proprietors of Honey Dukes. Like, quick, I need more, right now. <laughs> that was quite something. Rock in. Okay, somebody other than me, take it. Who expected Ron to pull... Who expected Ron what? To go and betray Hermione. Who expected him to do it? Oh. Oh. Yeah. Uh, huh, huh, well, huh. That was we're not supposed okay. supposed to hate Ron. That was one of his worst moments, though. I'm not thrilled with Ron. My notes for this simply say, in all caps, Jesus H. Christ Ron. <laughs> Come it on. Is. What was that? Is not okay. And the fact that he was, like, smirking about it to Harry. Like, come on, kid. Not no. cool. Not okay. I have to say, like, I'm the resident Gryffindor, and, like, my job is to, like, stick up for my housemates and, you know, their noble intentions, and, yes, we do what's right over what's easy all the time. But in this case, I just, I can't defend Ron. I mean, even if he did have Hermione's best interests at heart, he just went way, 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 way the over diary. the line. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, unacceptable on every level. He broke through through her wards, the things he clearly wanted to keep secret, and he's, he smirked while he did it. He was like, yes, I am going to be the one to, like, but take Snape down. He just couldn't grow the hell up and get past the Slytherin thing. Like that it, that like, for, for super secret Hermione, like, hiding it under the bed or whatever is not the cool thing to do. Like, what... <laughs> No, but she, I mean, she did have wards on it, and she couldn't put it in Severus's chambers because she was afraid that he would see them. Yeah, well, she I know. explained but that there were... You think she, she would have put better... There. You think that she would know a better spell or something to put on it? Well, I think so she that, explained... She she says that she couldn't have done anything more because of the professors or whatever that were in and out of her room that they would have noticed that those spells were active in her rooms or something, is well, how she explained it, but... I thought that too, but couldn't she maybe did, like kept it in Dumbledore's office and just because like? And why did Dumbledore she have to keep have... it in the pensive? Why couldn't she just put it in a little bottle and? <laughs> That's a question. I don't um, know. Yeah. Maybe there was too many, too many for a bottle. Maybe the author didn't know you could put it in bottles at the time. Yeah, when did we see it in a bottle? Is it, didn't we first see it in a bottle? Well, well, not a bottle, but like she puts it in a silver thing that Snape conjures at the beginning. Like her right. Is this big enough? Tea. So maybe <laughs> she should have kept it in like a silver bowl. <laughs> yeah, Hermione needs a silver bowl. A bottle's not good enough. I don't know, yeah. Maybe a pensive is sort of the way it was just like a temporary thing and you couldn't store long term in a metal bowl or something. Yeah, that mm. could be. It'll be a question for Kaylee if we ever interview her. <laughs> yeah. Because right now I'm, I, I don't have an answer. I think it might just be one of those things that she either didn't think about or is a plot hole or something. I don't know. Mm. We all, well, we find out in 38-2 that isn't this where Draco... I'm trying to figure out if this is where they just decide he's going to join the Order or if this is where he actually No, I goes. think that's the next chapter. Right. That happens does. a little bit later. Right? Hermione does the whole thing where she like convinces the Order. Where they made the decision to put him in the Order. Without, you know, introducing him or anything. 38, it says Harry brings it up to Draco, and Draco's like, oh, I'll never work. And then okay, I think, so that's um, where the idea was introduced. Right. Yeah, I have in 42, Hermione, Hermione tells... Yeah, it didn't happen until later on. Yeah, I have, but I have in 42 that Hermione tells Severus and Abbas that she wants Draco inducted into the Order. And right. that's when they start to work on it for real. So, I don't, I don't know. And then poor Severus, he had to find out... Because the memories all splashed on him. Ugh. That I really was not- liked that scene so much. Like, it was so heartfelt. Like, you understand... Like, I liked that you understood where all this started from. 
Yeah, that's nice. That's one of those things I'd been wondering from the beginning, and I'm sure that she set it up that way so that it would just be like this big mystery, like, why did Hermione do this in the first place? Like, what could possibly motivate someone to do that? And it's nice to know that, like, she did it to save him, you know, and she had no earthly reason to because, you know, she hated him, but she just couldn't allow herself to allow him to live with that. I thought that Hermione, when they're, you know, when when we're watching Hermione experience, it felt like Hermione. It didn't feel like this new, right? you know, and I appreciated that because it, it didn't show that, oh, here's just a new character. It kind of showed, well, she really did start here at this place. Yeah, I think she was good about giving us, giving us normal Hermione in that memory. I believed her, you know, as she was following down the steps and the blood and finding him and then not being sure and being afraid and not knowing what to, to do when she he asked for the potions and the whole understatement of, you know, are you really supposed to take this? It's awfully strong and yeah. all that other stuff. Yeah, I agree. That was a, a nice flashback. And it just, you know, it just sort of goes to show how far Hermione has come since this whole thing began and why. I, I like that we know it now, but I just, oh, man. I cannot get over how bad I felt for Severus. It's like I it's like we all knew that this was gonna happen, but now that it finally did, we're just like, Oh god. Oh god, the poor thing. I wanted to just like rip open my laptop and hug him. <laughs> yeah. Guy. Which which brings me to another question. When Kaylee was writing this, who do you think she saw in her mind? Did you think she saw Alan Rickman as Snape, or do you think that she had her own vision of who he was? I don't know. A lot of people find him extremely sexy. Yeah, I, I, I know I always have my own hard person, but I always think that people pick Alan Rickman as Snape. Yeah, yeah I, I always just, do. Well, he's because I always Snape. have my, I always have my own picture of them on my head. But as I was reading this, it kept jumping out to me that there were things that she was saying, that there were descriptions, that there were things that she was saying that you know just reminded me of something that you would describe as Alan Rickman as Snape and. Then that made me curious if I just if she may have because that I'm may be a good question for her. Yeah, I mean I can for sure see. I mean, like I usually just do the movie characters. I saw Sorcerer's Stone the movie before I read the books, so there like, those images are in my brain, and especially the particularly good actors like Alan Rickman is Snape in my head, and Maggie Smith is McGonagall. So like I always always see them when I read, and I you know especially based on the description of you know it's just certain ways, and especially later on. Um, she talks about how his voice is like velvet. Yes, and that's one like, of the that's things very that, yeah, that That's one of the kinds of the phrases in these kinds of things that make me think the author was picturing Ellen Rickman. Yeah. Well, I think there was another place where I noted that Hermione's thinking to herself about how that he's older and sexy and everything that we read, you know, we read description of Snape, you know, that he's not sexy. You know, I'm sure that Hermione at this point in this story would consider him to be attractive, but sexy was not the picture that came to my mind, you know, even though I'm not saying this well. I'm not really sure how to say what I want to say here. Okay, well, also don't forget that, you know, in this story, Snape has been training. You know, he too is like a spy kung fu manipulation master, and like, he's pretty ripped. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, so yeah, I okay. It might not I'll be, buy that. It might not be, yeah, like, it might not be such of a stretch for, first of all, for Hermione to especially to find him attractive. And second of all, I mean, even in the later chapters we see at one point, like, he takes off his billowing robes and, like, puts on fighting clothes. And even, like, Ron and, and Draco, who apparently are gay, are very surprised that all of a sudden they're like, whoa, Snape, muscles, hey there. What do we have here? 
the rarest of all gay subspecies. The hot gay nerd. <laughs> 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 to put it mildly, so you know, it, it's a possibility. But also, I can absolutely see. I, I can like see where she. You would think that she was thinking of Alan Rickman, because I'm not gonna lie. I think of Alan Rickman, which is probably one of the reasons I'm a little bit predisposed to think that Snape is sexy. Ditto. <laughs> yeah. Which leads yeah. the perfect segue. Yep. Sonnet one sixteen. Hello. Yes. Hello Jeez. there. Okay. I kind of went on this rant a little bit last week, so I don't really want to repeat it. But I will just say that nothing says English major showing off more than <laughs> Shakespeare in the fic. You know what? I know that sonnet. I like it. I can recite most of it, and I'm not an English major. I'm so far from being an English major, and I have no problem with it being here. You're just exceptional. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I just, I'm just weird. <laughs> It's all got to do with my love of Jane Austen, man. It could just be me. Like, that's just one of my things. Like, I guess, like, I'm particularly, like, you know, it really takes one to know one sort of thing. Mm -hmm. That, I don't know, it just, it bothers me. It bothers me a lot when people quote poetry in in their fanfic. No, I just, you know, I'm thinking Alan Rickman, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, it seems to me like she's using Alan Rickman as her Snape. And then, you know, I open up Chapter 40, and then I'm just like, Willoughby... You know, sense and sensibility, and I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. it was Alan Rickman, because, oh, you know, there's Sonnet 116, so it just, it's so clear that, yes, it was Alan Rickman. Mm -hmm. Give give me an occupation or I shall run mad. Oh, Oh, I love that line. (laughs) (laughs) And I like when he carries her in from the rain. (laughs) Yep. I need to see that movie. I've read the book. I haven't yeah, seen the movie yet. Movie. Oh my god, you oh. haven't? I know. I'm a terrible, uncultured human grad student. I have it on DVD, and whenever I have a bad day, I... Oh, Sense and Sensibility is my I movie. just love listening to the music. It's a fantastic movie. Yeah, I have it. I have the uh, soundtrack. Well, it's you know, it's on... Day music. It's on my list of movies to see when, um, when I'm out of school. I'm adding it to my Netflix queue as we speak. Yeah, you need to get it. Definitely. I can't that. Ability, you say? I've seen it so many times that... Which one? 1981, so... 2008, or 1995? What, what do you mean? 95. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, one the one that I'm looking The one, yeah, the one that uh, it's um, Emma Watson. Not Emma Watson. Jesus. Emma Watson. Emma Thompson. Blue or white cover. <laughs> Who I love her. That came out. That was a total blurb. Uh, Emma Thompson and... <laughs> They're Snape and Alan Hermione. Rickman. This one has Emma Thompson, Kate Winslet, and... Oh, there he is, Alan Rickman. Judy Dench is in it. Yeah, I have to... I really need to see that movie. Like, as soon as my last final exam happens, I'm going, well, to LeakyCon. But as soon as I come back from LeakyCon, I'm going to the video store to rent this movie. Because I really have to see it. Because seriously, I have... You need to I have it. It's one of the best movies ever made, ever. Yes. I, okay. and it won Oscar. Yeah. I um I have the A&E version of The Pride and Prejudice, the one that was done in the 90s. Not the movie that was just... Six days long or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) So whenever I'm feeling particularly pissy, sometimes I just will have a whole Jane Austen day. Because then I also have some DVR from, uh, I think it was Masterpiece Theater, where they did a bunch of Jane Austen last year. And they did one for all of her books. So I could just literally go through and watch Jane Austen until I was blind. Alrighty then. 
Yeah, my husband's just like, are you watching another one? Like one of those things he's just going to have to live with. Yeah. Nice. Not another one. It's on my list. See right there, that was like an attempt to steer us back onto topic. I don't yeah, know I know. I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be steering the damn ship, and I just went way <laughs> off course. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyway, Snape is upset, and he's reading Shakespeare because that makes him feel better, as it makes me feel better on occasions. Because <laughs> he's, a he's, he's wallowing in self-pity. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's brooding. Just to show how educated and grounded he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god, he's such a study near Shakespeare. <sighs> yeah, he's and he's wallowing in fire whiskey and blaming himself for Hermione's choices in life and how she's ruined oh, her I future for that. choosing to follow in his path and wallow, wallow, self-pity, woe is me, oh, oh, oh. And Hermione is <laughs> somewhere else trying to rip Ron's guts out with her hidden knife. I loved that, by the way. I loved that Hermione was just like, oh no, oh no. Especially, also, I have in my notes, where I have in all caps, oh no, oh no, Ron, you did not just pull that I love you shit on her after that. Oh, bitch, please. I'm too tired to slap you. Bash your face against my palm. Hell no. <laughs> that's, like, that's what it says in my notes. I was still, like, at this point of in my reading, I had to get up. I had to, like, take a walk. Was that the alcohol? I think that might have been the alcohol. That might have been when the, when the alcohol happened. <laughs> and my good, actually, no, come to think of it, I think the alcohol might have been a little bit later. This was, like, in the middle of the afternoon. Later, there was alcohol. But I was like, oh, that is unacceptable on every possible <laughs> level. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Mine says, Ron, you stupid twat head, admits he loves her and did it all for her own best interest. Isn't it amazing how people can justify things for love? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that was not okay. Well, I, liked when, I liked when Harry was like, you love him, and he's totally okay with it. Yeah. I loved that. Which Harry again. has some really good appealing mo- gay moments in this story. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> like I said. Oh, my God. Like I said, there he is, you know, turning on the, he, he's got the gay, gay, gay. Quite. Yeah. And it's cool because, like, I, like as soon as, like, this Hermione didn't realize that she loved Snape until Harry goes, oh, by the way, you're in love with Severus. And she's like, what? No, I'm not. And then she thinks about it for a second, and she's like, oh, wait, maybe I am. And then it, like, gets a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. But, because, why is it that people never realize, oh, I love him? Because whenever I have, like, attraction, I'm like, ooh, baby. Like, it's right away. <laughs> opposed to, like, I'm being around this person, and, oh, I love him after all. Especially when it's, like, hot love. Come on. Mm, that's the way I felt for my husband. I what didn't know I was in love with him until, you know, something smacked me in the head like a clue by four. You know, my husband and I were best friends and then we, you know, we just progressed into a relationship. It wasn't like we were secretly in love and didn't know it and then suddenly we woke up and we were like, hey. It, well, I guess it was like that, but. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of years ago, my friend um, Sapora and I were in the car, and I'm like, Sapora, Shia likes you. And she goes, what? No, he doesn't. I'm like, he he tried to buy you flowers. He didn't try to buy me flowers. He likes you. He wants to go out with you. What? No, he doesn't. We're just friends. He doesn't like me. Yada, yada. And their wedding invitation came in the mail today. 
<laughs> so, yeah. you know, like, that's just how it happens. Like, the people involved, it could just be that because, like, the people involved are just, like, so close to the situation that they can't, like, take a step back and say, oh, maybe he does like me. You know, they're just, like, so focused on, like, the way things are that when change happens, it doesn't really, like, they don't see it right away. Yeah, but for Harry to point it out. Oh, he's maturing and growing up and turning gay. Yeah. I mean, that's some, that's some definite feminine, why is my brain not working tonight? Feminine, he's showing some... Feminine instinct. Yeah, it's, he's showing some traits. Yeah. <laughs> he's got some woman's intuition happening. I'm, and I'm he's seeing... turning into a girl. Yeah, I'm <laughs> seeing Queer Eye for the Straight Guy all over for this. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just totally got the visual of, like... Cayenne and Harry standing in the bathroom, and Cayenne's going, so Harry, what's your shaving process? (laughs) (laughs) Can you see him peeling off his shirt, you know, and, you know, waxing his back? (laughs) Can you see, oh my god, can you see, like, Carson trying to dress him? Like, bring him into this, like, Carson would always have to, like, strip everybody down to their underwear and, like, make some sort of comment about how hot they are. Just, like, see him doing that for Harry. (laughs) Oh my god. I think I might have just killed Jen too. Oh. Lost everybody. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're <laughs> waiting in the kitchen so they can make shellfish here. <laughs> I cannot breathe. <laughs> trying to breathe <sighs> okay the kiss it happened oh oh, oh Baruch Hashem, thank god oh thank god i was in love <sighs> with this kiss you guys like th- i just like i freaked out because like we all know the physical intimacy is a huge thing for hermione because like it's not it's not that it's meaningless it's just that like it ha- like it has a meaning and she always associates it with such negativity but now she like like her initiating a positive physical interaction with with someone is like a huge effing deal. And so yes, I was like very, very excited when she just kissed Severus. I was very, very happy. Oh, me too. I just went sigh. You went sigh? I went Woohoo! Yeah <laughs> Woo It's one of those head cradling chin holds her head in his hands, you know, warm, gooey, yummy, perfect <laughs> kisses. <sighs> that was nice. I love that she initiated it. I love that. But Yay. it's like a spy whore. Sleazy skank. I mean... Well, and then that goes into the whole conversation of whether or not she's really a virgin. You know, because she's been, well, yes, technically, physically, no, she's not a virgin because, I mean, Lucius is used to Physically not. But on the other hand, you know, emotionally, she has no background. She has no way, idea of how to 
to love someone. So she is really a virgin. Right. She has she has no idea what it's like to, you know, to sleep with someone for love, to sleep with someone the right way, as she puts it. And, you know, Snape was right. Like, her soul is untouched. And can I just take a moment to say thank God for that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I just felt like if I was Snape, and I kind of wish that they had had this discussion where he kind of makes pause a bit and kind of looks at her and said, you know, like, which one is it? You know, because I don't know. Like, it felt just too easy. It felt too fast when we know that she's got this other side to her. To me, if I was getting in a relationship, my biggest issue would be, like, which side of you? I would question it before just totally, fully accepting it. I'm sorry. You must have mistaken me for somebody else. My name is Anastasia Beaverhausen. Well, I think one of the things that made it better for me was the fact that it, it steamed up, but then nothing happened because... Yeah. All they, they ended up doing was just she fell asleep because she was arts. so comfortable with him that he recognized that she was at a place where he could have basically, they could have gone further and she would have submitted to him, but she wouldn't have been there with him in her mind. She would have just kind of checked out, I think. Right. And he doesn't want to do that to her. He did what he did what he thought, yeah, he did what he thought she needed. So, and what she needed was just emotional intimacy. She needed to be close to him, to love him. So he held her. That's what she needed. They both had, oh my God, I'm sleeping in her arms. Oh my God, I'm sleeping in his arms. And everything was so <sighs> ridiculously sweet and soppy. Then they turned into the, the annoying couple that you can never stand to be in the room with for more than 15 minutes. Yeah, but it didn't bother me this time. Like, after I read the scene, I really didn't feel the need to go brush my teeth which normally happens to me after i read like excessive fluff but in this case i felt i just like felt that after all the angst it was really called for you know it just it made me feel better yeah i just i think as it goes on though they have all these ridiculous moments where it's just like oh god could you guys be any more annoying yeah later on it yeah. does happen yeah yeah but in, in this one particular moment i was like contentedly sighing Yes, no, this one moment was perfect. She did do it very well. She did. And is it just me, or why do I always like the house elves? Well, Jean is the shit. <laughs> well, I thought so, too. I love Creature, and, you know, kind of like Dobby, and Winky, you know, but Jane, she just, she's awesome. Peter, Paul, and Mary, you are fabulous. She doesn't she really take is. no for an answer. She's great, and she loves grammar. Yes. And she's awesome. That's why Jane is special. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about, like, like Jane... There's something I wonderful about the irony of a house elf that loves grammar. Yes. <laughs> She's like, Dobby, don't speak like that. You know better. Well, there's something wonderful about the irony of a house elf that's telling you when to eat and, you know, when to sleep and what to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not my house elf. It's my mother. Hello. I could honestly say that in, in Chapter 42 is one of my favorite little snippets of the entire story. Okay, which one? It's where Severus goes to tell Albus and Minerva that he's resigning. And he yep. says, I'm as good as sexually involved with a female student. He repeated as patiently as I could. I think you heard it the first time. And then the headmaster flips out and Minerva says, he's trying to tell you that he's fallen in love with Hermione Granger, Albus. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Minerva. Damn time. I love McGonagall. I love her. Well, it's can't, hard can't not to love the woman. She's pretty freaking awesome. She's fantastic. I adore her. She's just like, she's like the only person other than Hermione who can really like put Severus in his place and yeah. not do it condescendingly. That is hilarious. I was, <laughs> no, it's revolting. It's just sad. 
So does that mean, Ray, that you have good porn? Um, I don't know that it's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if you're given the recommendation, I just was curious if you had the good porn or... Depends on how much I really want to go out a limb and show you what I read. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. I have read some... Some unique things. Mm. Sometimes when you're in the mood for them. But my dad Yummy. just watched it. So hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I love you guys. I can't talk about porn with my dad two feet away from me. <laughs> Wait, my dad's not going, eh, eh. Dad, wh- what's up? Dad, why are you going, eh, <laughs> Okay. My dad just goes, Oh, in Europe they had pornography. <laughs> in the old country, yeah, was. Okay, bye, Dad. Bye. See ya. Sorry, that was freaking awkward. I think that's probably the worst, shall we say? <laughs> I have it, it, it could be worse. I could have been in the middle of reading porn while my dad walked in. <laughs> Hey, steering the ship. <laughs> yeah. Later on, Harry's, Harry says he's the only friend that Hermione hasn't assaulted, and I thought that was funny. <laughs> That's true. When Hermione assaults you, it means she loves you. Aww. Aww. Well, you know, that's how some people just show their love. Oh, Ryan's community's up now? Yes. Link me, link me. Okay, okay. There you go. I told him I wanted to be his first card-carrying member. Well, let's see who can get there first. <laughs> uh-huh, I'm already there. Yeah. Add two friends. Fandom wank and kiss my <laughs> I like the picture of him on his little computer. <laughs> I, I, I love Ryan's icon. It's probably will be the only icon he ever uploads. It doesn't have a picture on it yet, does it? No. Oh. The community doesn't, but Ryan's icon is Oh, man. I wasn't the first card-carrying member. Kiss Matt and Ella beat me. Oh, boo oh. them. Boo. Boo. <laughs> boo. Ryan has some explaining to do. <laughs> Did you guys notice that when Hermione kisses Snape and he, like, pulls her hands away, he's like, This is madness! Did anybody oh, else yeah. Think? Yeah. This yeah. is from- <laughs> <laughs> I think I even I think I even highlighted that. Does anyone else think it was kind of weird that in this scene, all of a sudden, the fact that that Snape is her teacher just like became an issue? Yeah, that they've been going through this whole thing that they we we know that they've been closer than closer than teacher student for months now. That this relationship has just been building and building, and the circumstances are just so unusual. And all of a sudden, as soon as they just go to take like the next natural progression, it's like all of a sudden, like if we are to truly discover the meaning of these events, perhaps we should, for the time being. Let them unfold. Zomji, hold the phone. <laughs> we can't. Because I'm your teacher. And oh, yeah, like, because she, has, she hasn't been sleeping, <laughs> sleeping in his quarters, you know, because that's yeah. appropriate. Right. It, it, it was okay for me to sleep in your quarters, and it was okay for you to wash me, and it was okay for you to, like, read my mind, but it's not okay for us to kiss. Like, hello? Yeah. Seems a little much. Yeah. Also, slightly later, right after um, when Hermione tells, I'm sorry, when Snape tells Hermione that he's going to give up 
teaching for her, and she goes, oh, tell me that again. Tell me you're going to give up teaching. You chose me over teaching. That was where I wanted to pull out a tooth. That right Yeah, that was horrible. And so un-Hermione-ish. But even this Hermione would have been like, I don't think so. That was was just too much for me. You know what was too much for me? This what? is how I put it. Two spies prove how adept they are while not paying attention and throwing chocolate muffins. News at 11. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, that whole, I, I could see them in my mouth. muffin. Those are my favorite, too. <laughs> <laughs> that whole scene, you know, with Remus was in there, and, you know, they're, like, whipping chocolate muffins back and forth at each other, but they're not really looking. But it's amazingly, you know, they just know when to catch one, and I was just... Well, it's okay, because they're the spy master and the master spy, and they've trained together, and their names are, like, inverts of each other, and so they can, you know, do things like that. They have super soulmate powers, basically, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was, you know, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, you know, they got some Kung Fu Master thing going on there. Some, like, mind-sharing power right. chocolate muffin dar or something. But chocolate I, muffin dar? <laughs> <laughs> muffin dar. <laughs> But Remus is sitting there the whole time going, holy shit, look at these two. <laughs> it's kind of... <laughs> He's wishing he could go a wolf on him. <laughs> Remus' gator is like, oh, one day, one day, I'll get there. Okay. By the way, I really like that Remus apologized for coming into Snape's room and like setting the whole thing off. And I loved Snape's reaction. He goes, oh, Black must be rotating in his grave. <laughs> yes, I love that too. That one line, it's like, he's, rot- he's, he's not like spinning in his grave, he's rotating. <laughs> <laughs> he's being apologized to by a marauder. You know, it's just like, whoa, my life is ending. He's like, wow, that's something I never thought I was going to be think. okay with him too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh my god, next thing I'm going to be making out with a Gryffindor. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> The next thing Malfoy and Potter are going to be friends. Oh, wait. Oh, Joke. They are. <laughs> like, he's like, I just don't know what's happening. Nothing makes sense anymore. Okay, so they're considering the plan. Minerva and Albus, and I think Harry's there, and Hermione and Severus. And Minerva whips out a magical projector with a white screen. <laughs> Does, yeah, that, that seemed bo- weird to me. <laughs> did, did, was anybody else bothered by that? Well, I guess now that I think about it, they do use a projector in, what was it? Yeah, I guess they did. The prisoner with the Snape movie. showing up. Yes, in the movie. Turn to page 394. <laughs> <laughs> That's like my first fandom gathering experience, and I saw the movie with a whole bunch of my friends who were all into Harry Potter, and like this woman who is like 30-something years old and like a librarian and very mature, and all of a sudden Snape comes on and says, turn to page 394, and she like literally started bouncing in her seat. <laughs> so that line is just like made of awesome for me because it, it, it sent April into like fits of fangirlish rage. Sorry, I'm done now. If any of you guys ah. have listened to Snapecast, you hear that one a lot. <laughs> we find out the secret place that may s- save the whole wizarding world. It might be Tintagel. Yes, Tintagel. What? Somebody's going to have to explain to me like the history of Tintagel because I, I didn't get it. The history that they talk about? 
Yeah, like it's it's not a real place, right? Like it's made up for the purpose. I think it is. It is, I think. It is. It has yeah. some sort of Arthurian significance, I think. Yeah, I'm. I'm it says that Merlin hid there or something, right? Yeah. Okay. I am now wikiing it. All right. <laughs> anyway, but in the thick, she says that all like the magical creatures go there to hide. It says in times ooh. of war. It says Tintagel is used as a locus for the Arthurian mythos by Alfred Lord Tennyson in Idols of the King and Algernon Charles Swinburne's Tristram of Lioness is one of the versions of the Tristan and Isolt legends. Thomas Hardy's The Famous Tragedy of the Queen of Cornwall at Tintagel in Lyonese is a one-act play. This thing that I'm saying, the Tentagel Castle are associated with legends surrounding King Arthur and Knights of Round Table. The village has in recent times become a magnet for tourists and day trippers. Then, of course, all the other stuff. Oh, I'm so glad I was not the only one thinking that. Okay, so somebody, okay, so like, what's the thing with magical creatures? This is what I didn't get. Magical creatures hide there and therefore it's powerful or something? It has elemental magic. Okay, what is that? I think it nulls the elemental magic because I think that the magical creatures cannot tap into it, if I am understanding right. It's something I've seen in other effects where they have this elemental, like you can draw on earth elements or water elements or fire elements and stuff, which I think that would be an earth element type place. See, I thought it was that only elemental magic could be used there. Is that how it was? The other magic was null and void there, that only the most basic elemental magic could be used there, and that's why Voldemort would never suspect it, because he didn't believe in the old magic. Yeah, and whatever these places are, and people thought that one was just the same, but actually it nulls one of them. Okay, it's confusing. Yes. (laughs) Just smile and nod. So, let me get this straight. The plan is... To lull Voldemort out there on Halloween night, which is a night when Voldemort's power is, for some reason, more special and concentrated or more powerful. For some reason, it's not going to work at Tintagel because Tintagel nullifies all non-elemental magic. I wish I could come up with an easier way to describe this whole magic thing. Because in my head, yeah, it makes ex- sense. I just cannot explain what I thought it said. Well, it does to me, too, kind of. it. I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I just posted my first comment on Ryan's new community. I okay. used one of my favorite icons, too. Okay, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read your comment right now. OMG. Does your ass hurt from straddling the fence <laughs> like that all the time? <laughs> well played. Well played, Gen 2. Weep. I feel, I, feel, I, feel, I feel like I'm being spied on. <laughs> He's secretly reading the porn in the background. I've got one. I've got... What? You're not supposed to be drinking sangria yet. You're not 21. I am 21. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Smack me. Smack me. Smack me. I'm, you know, being momish. Okay, this is dangerous. I lost the scissors. Uh Uh-oh.
no one sent me one to put up. I'm not an artist. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but I'm the stick figure guy. And she's like, well, maybe I can make it. I'm like, P.S., you're less <laughs> You should have done stick figures! <laughs> no, I'm like, you're less of an art person than I am. I'm like, well, Hey, guys, like- how do you know? You have, I have you know uh-huh. that I have to draw art for a meme on LiveJournal, and I'm going to do it. I have to draw a sketch. Yeah, I saw that post, and I was like, ooh, that sounds like fun. Oh, crap. I don't want to do all that. <laughs> I have to draw a sketch. Because I didn't stick the word sketch out of it. So I had to draw a sketch of the doctor and Rose catching a taxi cab. Oh, God. Julia got pissed over the banner. I think she's going to try and kill me. There's going to be some type of Jewish curse she's going to put in my house. <laughs> so the first thing is, like, Julia, there's been an incident. Like a voodoo. Can I just, like, explain to you my day yesterday? I wake up. I go to work. I chase around 12 two-year-olds. The main teacher in my class wasn't there, so it was, like, me and the other assistant and our boss. So that was, like, already a high-stress situation. I come home. I take, like, an hour nap. I then sit through five fucking hours of class. My brain is tired. I just want to come home and, like, read smut. I get on Skype, and all of a sudden, Ryan is saying, please... What did I say? I'll never know what I said now. I think it was pumping like, please don't send it close. <laughs> oh, P.S. is so drunk. This is really just turning into a trend. <laughs> <laughs> We may have to redo this another night. <laughs> yeah, I think we... How far did you get? Um, like, not a very like far. 42? Like 44? Like chapter 2 of, like, 14 chapters. Yeah, we got into chapter... We got into 42. And uh, we're going to 56. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Next yeah. week, do you want to just talk very fast into all of <laughs> we, may, we may have to try this again. And I, I, I forget what happened. I think there was Hermione. I'm pretty sure they had sex. They did not <laughs> have sex. I, I love Ray. Every time someone drops, they like a shot. They did. They did. They, wait, wait, wait. They yeah. did? They did. They had sex? They did not have sex. And that, children, concludes our fairy tale.
I think I'm on color commentary for tonight, so... Um, color commentary? <laughs> for, Should I I'm, ask? No, I'm just feeling very unintelligent today. I can't help it. I just... My brain is just gone today. You know, so uh-huh. I figure that the only thing that's going to come out of me is funny witticisms and uh, general remarks in the story that... Yeah, are, well, I think we're not we're not really going to get too deep tonight, because we have a lot to cover, so I thought the plan was to just do the highlight. I have, like, an English major sort of diatribe that I want to go on that I've been saving for like weeks and weeks and I'm very excited tonight. <laughs> I finally, finally we'll get to talk about John Donne. And I'm so are, just like so excited. So are you going to go off because you like it or because you hated all of the little things here and there that she inserted into the story? Um, well, although I normally despise this sort of thing a lot, this particular instance she did it okay, and or she did it well, and it didn't make me cringe, and it, in fact, made me quite happy. So I'm ah, excited. Oh, well, there you go. Yay. But otherwise, I am I feel like I might talk a lot tonight, and that's never fun. That's okay. You can talk all you want. <laughs> Ryan told me to laugh a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Helpful. Yeah, Ryan's like, just laugh a lot. You'll be fine. So I'm like, oh, oh okay, thanks, Ryan. That's Ooh, I have sad. messaging from Sue. Ooh, she says, Sue. I am here. Ryan. <laughs> Sue wants Ryan. on. Hey, guys, I'm still plugging in. That's okay. <laughs> I'm feeling slightly more intelligent now. I'm eating chocolate and drinking caffeine. Ooh, that's good. You, you're glad you didn't get me last night when I was drinking rum. <laughs> yeah, I read about that. <laughs> my um, almost sister-in-law teaches little ones, too, and her teacher's assistant is a nightmare from hell. Mm-hmm. Or, no, 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 wait a minute. She, got, she just got a new teacher's assistant because the teacher's assistant nightmare from hell. She just couldn't take her anymore. But, yeah, I know your pain. I hear about it a lot. Uh, I I felt so unhufflepuffish. What the hell is a Hufflepuff? Because I just wasn't nice. <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to be nice to her. I just couldn't. Well, I was talking to Mike earlier, and I'm just like, I feel so stupid today. <laughs> I'm like, I have to podcast tonight. He's like, well, maybe I can help you with that. I'm like, I, have you even read the fic, Mike? And he's like, yeah, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, he could be a contrasting viewpoint. Or yeah, something. I'm like, okay. He's like, well, maybe I can, maybe, you know, if you're just not feeling up, he's so helpful, you know? He's just so helpful. Yeah. He's like, well, maybe if you're not feeling up to it, maybe I can find someone to fill in for you. And I'm like, no, I'm going to be there. So how he far did you get last time? I think only like 42, 43, 44. I mean, we covered yeah. some concepts from more of it, but well, when I when I went through my notes, I went through my notes recently, like just to sort of pull out the highlights of the things that I really, really wanted to talk about. And the first thing that I have is in chapter forty-four. Okay, um, I think so before that, so I so like right, I think it's a little bit after where we left off. So I went to a wake this week because I've had a really freaking awesome week. Can I tell you? Oh, you mean like a really good week? Or like a really good week like I've had. You know what? It's been stressful, but okay, really. All right, so okay. So my, my uncle died this week, and so we had the wake and the funeral. And this is a chance to see, like, I see my family twice a year anyway. But, you know, it's just one more chance to see cousins I don't see a lot, whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're littles and, you know, and, and all that good jazz. And I'm like, I walked away from this thing with all these, like, great family news stories 
And I was like, you know, that's really what this is all about, is coming away with funny stories about your family, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Because right, it's not right. about anything else, really. Do Apparently, my, my uncle is acquiring a donkey. <laughs> oh, <fun>. Why? <laughs> um, where does your uncle live? Actually, generationally, he's my uncle, but I think technically he's my cousin. Okay. Well, okay. Where sugars. does he live? He lives in southern New Hampshire, technically a suburb of Boston. Okay. So I he lives in the suburb of Boston. Worcester is too, but that's that's a separate issue. Worcester is a suburb of Boston? Yeah, it is. They're <laughs> like the an hour village. away from each other. Oh, at least, yeah. Hello? <laughs> I know nothing okay. about the area, so... Um, so yeah, I was like, you're getting a donkey. He's like, yeah, my father-in-law is going to give it to me. <laughs> um, apparently his father-in-law recently got a prize winning miniature pony stallion and he's <laughs> going to fight with the donkey, two donkeys he has. So he has to get rid of the donkey stallions. And so oh my God. he's like, who will I give away these donkeys to? And my cousin was like, I'll take a donkey and didn't consult his wife, didn't, you know, think about why he would want a donkey. Maybe he, he has room for the donkey? He does. He's since discovered it, it will make an excellent guard animal, sort of like a llama would for his weathers he has. So it's going yeah. to guard the goat. That's, that's the purpose of the donkey now. They just have to drive it up from North Carolina. Wow. Okay. And then he will have a guard donkey. <laughs> that, is, that is better than Schneer Zalman. My friend Schneer Zalman would like to move to Israel where he will train attack turkeys. So he wants to like train the turkeys that whenever somebody with malicious, whenever somebody comes to the front door to like date his daughters, he wants to train the turkeys so that the turkeys should attack the boys. But if okay. like Israeli non turk non boys, how the turkey come out know? The, yeah, the turkey, two, how would the turkey know that the boys have bad intentions? Uh, it well, wouldn't. I they're not good Jewish boys, basically. <laughs> Yeah, I think the plan was to just, like, train the turkey for a list of acceptable people. And anybody who's not on the list gets, like, packed. Uh, turkeys um, are okay. stupid. I'm sitting here and thinking, you know, is he going to train the turkey to, you know, find the cut and uncut, or what? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like this plan really hasn't been thought through carefully. Is he a good Jewish boy? You know... Yeah, he's like, if, boy, if the boy, like, shows the letter of reference from the Rosh Hashiva to the turkey, then <laughs> he can go by. <laughs> okay. Or maybe if the, the boy can make it past the turkey, he can, it's like the eye of the needle. It passed, passed. Could be. I don't know. I feel like he just heard the turkeys were vicious, and therefore he's decided that he wants one. <laughs> Turkeys yeah. are what can I say? They, what you can know, I say? He's, he'd do better than get a get Canadian plants. goose. Yeah, they're mean too. Mm. We went to I'll a place to, to get tomato plants with my mom's friends. And so I was there with these, you know, 60-ish ladies. And we went back to see the pond, and there were chickens and turkeys and everything all over. And the turkey puffed up, and it went after my mom's friend, and she ran into the greenhouse. And I, <laughs> I said, what's the matter? She said, that turkey came after me, and I said, "Well, you stand your ground." She said, "Oh no!" Yeah, you so I went out, and flapped your wings. I walked out, and he came at me, and I just like made myself big, and I looked at him with my best teacher stare, and he went, "Crap!" <laughs> he took off the other <laughs> way, and I was the hero. 
I saved them Hooray. from the turkey. Oh, man, I'm telling you, yeah. that teacher's stare is powerful. You don't mess with that. You don't mess with the teacher's stare. No, nope. nope. the teacher voice. What are you starting to wonder? Well, I was yeah. starting to wonder, you know, if I, if I needed to have Sue come and live at my house so that she could give my daughter the teacher's stare all day. <laughs> Long. Okay. Yeah. The mom's stare doesn't work? This sounds bad. The mom's stare? <laughs> Elizabeth, can we come and try to potty? No. Elizabeth, how do you feel about picking up your book? No. Elizabeth, well, see, that's you the like problem to... right there. Uh, you you can't have your asking. can't do it as a question. It has to be a statement. You know what she would and say? And then when she says no, no, then you say, have two choices. You can pick up the book now, or you can have sit. Once they figure out you mean business, usually that doesn't last very long. Apparently, I am just, you know, fail at motherhood. Because oh, no. she sure just, it, well, I mean, I'm not saying that in a bad light. I'm just saying that, you know, she just... No, she's just like, Elizabeth, let's have lunch. It's time to have lunch. Let's sit down and have lunch. No, Elizabeth, mommy has cottage cheese and a peanut butter sandwich. Elizabeth, eat cookie. Of course, you know, it, I mean teacher, so I'm not a good one to yeah. ask. Well, yeah. you know, and then you then you turn your back after you're trying to be all good about it. And you're like, okay, you, you eat the sandwich or you have no lunch, you know. You eat what I give you, you have no lunch. You turn your back and you're doing dishes or you've done some laundry or you're sorting something out or you know, whatever it is that you're doing. You turn around and she's like got pudding in her hand. She's like, Elizabeth, have pudding. He goes on top of the refrigerator. <laughs> well, it, the funny thing is, is that it is high, and so I've had to. It's on top of the baker's rack, and so I've started having to remove all the chairs from our house. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> it, it started with the, started with the stools, and then it went. You know, those are uppies, and then it went to the bar stools, which were brown uppies. Mm-hmm. And now I'm really close to thinking we're going to have to lose the dining room chairs. Oh no! <laughs> because she thinks that they're all just an extension of leg. It's ladders. Well, maybe just like put her in timeout when she does these things. Yeah. Does timeout work for her at all? Not at all. Yeah, that's yeah, what I thought. Well, well then do whatever. Like take something away or yeah. something. Yeah, she's she's thing, just the big thing she's is very strong willed. Yeah, all I have to do is say, "Do you want Daddy to do this?" And she's like, "No, we tell your Daddy gets home." <laughs> oh, Daddy's a disciplinarian. Lovely. <laughs> Well, no, but he's not. Yeah. That's all I he's have to not? do, though, is I have no. All I have hmm. to do is say, do you want Daddy to put those pajamas on you? No. <laughs> <laughs> she just doesn't want anybody but me to do anything, but then she wants me. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. I think we have a podcast to talk about. Damn. I might have to just monologue this whole thing podcast. Your opinion means more than anyone else's here. As a matter of fact, I can't think of anyone more qualified. Be proud, honey. Speak up. Although... Maybe not in that voice that you usually use. It's a little femmy. Okay, go for it. All right, go. No. <laughs> I don't want to. to know. I, I only have one planned monologue. Oh, well, let me like, share my let me share my notes. Well, that would be true <laughs> because it's been a while since I've read this, and I'm sort of skimming. But okay, they're sort of broken down by <clears throat> by the highlights, that the things that I thought were like hot shit. So if you guys have anything else to add, then. If, Feel free to jump in hot. and start talking. Hot shit is usually pretty close to mine. Hot. <laughs> okay. Chapter 71 and 72 is my, my English major rant that I'm so excited about. Um, okay. Everything else, you guys yeah, just talk a lot. Those, so. Someone should. Yes, well, 
It's a good thing I'm an English major, as I have to mention at least three times per podcast. On the master schedule, it said we were starting at 39, but then in the thread, they're like, no, more like 44. No, so we no, starting. I think we will start just somewhere in the early 40s if there's something that um, pops out. And then we'll jump into the chapters, shall we? And welcome back to Potterfic Weekly. This is Jen 2. I'm Julia. This is Omelie. I'm Sue. And tonight we are covering the final half <laughs> of when, <laughs> when a Lioness Fights by Kaylee Sotelstorm. This has seemed to be the podcast that will not record itself. So We've tried to do it the right way. We've tried to do it the wrong way. We've tried to record it, and no one showed up. And now we're all here, and we're just going to try to make it all the way through to the end and cover the highlights as best we can. And if we disappoint you, we're sorry. But we've got notes. We're going to try to do it the best way we can. And we hope that you'll come along for the ride, and you'll enjoy it. If not, send in a voicemail, and you can tell us how much we suck. <laughs> uh, that sounds like it'll be a thrilling end to the day the podcast comes out. <laughs> the first thing that we didn't talk about, I know the, the time that we recorded when we weren't very concise, was we didn't really talk about, and this is, would be at the beginning of the chapters that we're starting, I believe this may be chapter 46 or 47, mm-hmm. not sure, let me, I'm scrolling through my notes... Oh, actually, it's 48. Anyway, but Hermione, when they bring Hermione out and and disclose that she is the master spy. That was a pretty big, that was a pretty big that was moment. Awesome. I love pretty that. Pretty big moment in the story. Um, it amazes me that Hermione is described as a cat in just about every chapter of this book. She's very cat-like. <laughs> but she really worked moody over in this. And I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Because she, he really was against it. And then I like that she actually wins him over in the end. Maybe not exactly in this chapter, but at a later point, she really does win him into her corner. And I thought that was a really neat um, progression of it. Yeah. And I also thought that it was a really good demonstration of her spy abilities. Because, I mean, that whole thing was, like, really planned out. First of all, she'd put in, like, all this preparation into, like, getting the dirt on him. And second of all, she knew that Moody was going to be the one who would be the quickest to draw his wand. And so she knew that if she would just, you know, push his buttons in the right way, that he would be the quickest to react and thus give her the chance to, like, show off. So I just Mm -hmm. thought that that was really cool. Hermione's awesome uh, and very intelligent. Yeah. Actually, no, it was chapter 44 that she she drops the bomb, mm-hmm. and 45 is where she kicks his butt right. and turns into Catwoman. Right. Well, it was all part of one chapter, really. Yeah. And 46 is when she goes up to the gym and kicks butt, right. kickboxing mm-hmm. champion. <laughs> you know, I just actually wanted to backtrack a little bit um, before we okay. get straight too far from it. <clears throat> there was something in 44 that I kind of wanted to talk about, which is that, you know, as we know, a couple of chapters previously in in the chapters we discussed last time, Severus and Hermione have finally taken their heads out of their tushes and realized that they're, like, in love with each other. You know, they were sort of living in this little happiness bubble for a while, Mm -hmm. and then the bubble burst, and Lucius... Sorry, I'm like, I have a bit of a cold, but Lucius calls for Hermione. And, um... They just freaked out, and I have a passage that I have quoted, and that I'm going to read. And it says, 
They had known this would happen, but they had both chosen to ignore it, had hoped that somehow they would be spared. Their love this past week had been like a dream, a balloon of safety and happiness, had known it would burst... He had known it would burst eventually, but he had no idea how much it would hurt when reality, that sharp needle would destroy their dream, how naked and helpless he would feel. And I'm a big fan. I am a big fan of this chapter, of that one little place, because it's just like, ah, it's so heart-wrenching, you know? It's just like, yay, love, it's the weapon, it, it saves us, except from Lucius Malfoy. Ouch. Yeah, and I think I think it's really, it's, it's also very, what's the word I want to use? I said I was going to be dumb tonight. Snape is, is very detached, and, you know, in canon and, and, and most fanfics, Snape, well, even in this one, you know, he's very straightforward, he's very intelligent, he's very smart, he has a good head on his shoulders, he doesn't let things affect him emotionally, and he knows what she's doing. He's done it for years and years and years and years. So he knows that when she leaves, he knows it's going to come. I mean, he's always, you know, been called before. He knows that she's going to be called, that's just the nature of the beast, and yet he still gets upset, and she still has to console him because he still feels like he can't handle what she's going off to do now that they've made it official. And then it sickens him you know then then it's too much for him to handle because it's not him that's doing it anymore it's her and Mm -hmm. i thought that was interesting i agree i think it was a nice change from the normal snape that we see it's nice to know that he still has feelings and that he can you know get attached to someone one of the things that you may have mentioned when you were talking about the earlier chapters is that i really think it's interesting when we're sort of as a base point for this whole interactions with the Order of the Phoenix is this whole inner circle idea, which seems to have been sort of based off the idea of, well, there was an inner circle of Death Eaters, so obviously there'll be an inner circle of the Order. And for the time period, that made a lot of sense. But what I thought was weird here is this sort of idea of the inner circle of the Order of the Phoenix seems like, okay, well, we've got like this little, you get the Voldemort set, and that's one dictator with a small group. And in the Order of the Phoenix, I would have thought would have been more of an oligarchy sort of whatever. And instead, what we find is the inner circle is not so inner, you know? Like, right. they be the power is not really. Which I thought was, it, I felt that um, Molly Weasley and Arthur and um, Moody and Tonks, they feel very ineffective. Yes. Mm-hmm. I agree. And so if they were supposed to be the inner circle, I was sort of disappointed by the inner circle. And I was like, well, who are they letting into the outer circle if this is the inner circle? Yeah. Oh, and I even, I even made an, a point in my notes, I think they were for the earlier chapters, that, you know, they make the distinction between the inner circle and the outer circle. Well, mm-hmm. the inner circle has an inner, inner circle. <laughs> the yes. inner, inner mm-hmm. circle, you've got Dumbledore and Snape, and you've got Hermione, and then you kind of have an inner, inner, outer inner circle, because <laughs> Harry and Draco are in there. But then the real inner circle, which is who you named Molly and Arthur and Tonks and Rance and Moody, they're the inner circle. You'd think they knew, would know a lot about what's going on, but really... I think they call them the inner circle just so that they can say they have one. Mm-hmm. Can I just, so that feel good about you know what? Can I just, that just, it bothered me that they call it the inner circle. I mean, this is like a really nitpicky thing to like pick on, but I mean, like Voldemort calls it the inner circle. Shouldn't Dumbledore call it something else, something with a slightly less evil connotation? You're the Diet Coke of evil. Just one calorie, not evil enough. 
that bugged me. <laughs> that was that that was pretty much all I had to say. I just I just thought they should have come up with something slightly less evil to call it. Yeah, I just I felt it was pretty ineffectual. You know, because they had the inner yeah. circle, the inner inner circle, the inner circle with the outer ring. Yeah, you know, and, and, then, and then and then you felt like the outer circle, you know, which was the bulk of the older order of the Phoenix. It almost felt like by the time you got out there, that was just like all people with thumbs up their butts or something. You're missing a chromosome. Because they, you know, didn't really deserve to know what was going on. Yeah. Didn't think it was important. You well, know, neither did the inner circle, so. Yeah. Mm. The, it, by the time that you got out to the outer circle, it was more just, you know, the minions, the people that... I hope that we love our peons more than that. We do. Yay. I hope so. Yay. Without yeah. peons, the world would not go round. That's true. The world needs peons. Okay, I wanted to sort of stray away from Severus and Hermione for a second and to just talk about Harry. Because in Chapter 49, we learned that Harry is rather reluctant to cast the Avada Kedavra, and he's not reluctant because he knows that it means he's going to have to kill someone, but he's reluctant to do it because he knows that that's how that's how his mother died. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that's really powerful. You know, that he's like, he, that he's like, Harry sort of matured to the point where, you know, he's like, I'm okay with taking somebody's life. I just don't want them to die the way my mother did. And I yeah, don't know I what think to make of it. I just wanted to put it out. Harry, Harry does a lot of growing in these middle chapters. He, he's turning in, he goes from, you know, the, the typical Gryffindor and then Draco's trying to, to mold him into a, Slither Griff, and, you know, I even marked something in, I think it was chapter 46 or 47, let me see, just a quote that I thought was kind of funny about Harry, oh, here it is, seeing the boy who lived stumble over obstacles while trying to balance a book on his head, or hearing him recite the 20 oldest and greatest wizarding families while Draco groaned and complained about his Gryffindor stupidity would undermine his authority, Harry was quite certain about that. So even he knew, he's starting to realize what kind of influence that he has. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's learning about what's right and what's wrong. And it, it's not so much all about school. And I don't know, Harry just Jen two steps he's, back and goes back to color commentary. <laughs> well, I, I think that, I think when you're looking at this, though, you have to be careful because in some respects, the author does describe Slytherin characteristics, but in some respects, this author is really prone to the same sort of prejudices about house qualities in the opposite way than they describe in the story. So like in the story, they have all these characters who are very, oh, well, Slytherins are awful and, and, and they're supposed to be, you know, the bad examples. And so, but then this author does the same exact thing in the opposite direction where they describe good qualities and they're like, oh, Harry's acting particularly Slytherin or feeling Slytherin today, you know? And it's just like very weird because I was like, there's this, yeah. there are things, there are characteristics and there's somewhere the author is just attributing all of these positive things to Slytherin house. And I'm saying that as a Slytherin, so, you know, mm-hmm. maybe that puts, you know, two extra cents on my plate. Well, as the resident Gryffindor, I agree with you that she definitely did, you know, she did want this to be a very Slytherin-centric fic, and she did very much paint Slytherin in, in, like, the most positive light that I think is humanly possible. And, you know, for some it didn't, it bothered me a little bit, but I got over it. It wasn't, like, such a terrible thing that it just pulled me out of the story. But at the same time, I have... 
I have in my notes for chapter 52, and I have no idea what this is a reference to. I just know that it's in there under chapter 52. And I wrote, um, Gryffindor for the win. For all the stupid remarks about Gryffindor brazenness, it does have its place, and I think a few Slytherins would do well to remember that. So I have no idea what I was talking about there, but apparently I really wanted the world to know that Slytherin is not the only house, and that Gryffindors in this fic are not just, like, total idiots. Right. There may have been more. Yeah. I think the author does point out a couple places where they're like, they had to admit, this was pretty cool about about Gryffindors. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It was sort of the, I don't know, latent prejudice towards Slytherin that actually didn't throw me out of the story, but I I definitely noticed times where it was very out of character for Harry's internal monologue to being like, well, thank God I'm thinking like a Slytherin now. You know, sort of weird. Yeah. But I mean, for for this Harry... I mean, I don't know if it's so out of character for this Harry, but for Kate and Harry, uh, yes, absolutely. I, I think, think what you're talking about, Julia, I think I found mm-hmm. what you must have been referencing. Oh, um, thank God. This, this is where Harry goes to, I don't want to say unload, but he goes in when he knows that Hermione is away, and he goes to Snape and says, I've been an ass, and Hermione, we both love her, and let's make nice. Oh yeah, that sounds familiar. Like something. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Let's go. Yeah, with he that says thing. I learned a lot of I, le- I learned a lot of things over the past month. I saw my best friend broken in a way I never dreamed of. I saw her stronger than I could have ever imagined. I became friends with a Slytherin and enemies with my former Gryffindor friend. I've seen you in action, the real you, not my potions master. And I've seen you together with Hermione. You could say that I had so many paradigm shifts. It's a wonder I still know where up and down is. Right. And as a result of that, although I think you're too scary by far. I respect you. I respect your competence, your intelligence, the love you share with Hermione. I was serious about the things I said during that order meeting. I have a feeling that that might be what you were referencing. Because I think it would have taken a lot for Harry to, to admit that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I don't know. I would have to go back and like reread that chapter because it's before. I have a note about that and, I, and this is before that. So I'd have to go back and look to try to figure out what was. Oh. Then I tried to figure it out and... <laughs> <laughs> that section of the story is also where um, Harry and, and Severus drop their formality and they finally begin to start, what I want to say, working together and relying on each other more for the sake of Hermione. Mm-hmm. I wrote, like, really concise, like, to remind myself what each chapter was about. My one for chapter 52 is Harry and Snape equal allies. Yeah, that yeah. would be it. Yes. Which was my super concise. I think when we do when we start doing these chapters that are a little bit later, I think one of the things that really comes to a point is that everybody in the order now. We just got Hermione and, and Harry, and then really quickly they say, okay, well, now that we're inner circle people, we're, we're going to go invite Draco, and that seemed a little too staged and easy. But I, I know it's supposed to be the, hey, look how good she is at manipulating people thing. But then the really interesting thing thing for me is when Ron gets invited. Yeah, that's um, oh, I'm yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And there's so much stuff there because of all of the bad blood and and the real emotional and control consequences that result from him being invited and should they invite him and, and they invite him into the inner order which seemed weird to me but then I realized the inner order was really ineffectual so it didn't matter. Yeah, because they still didn't really tell him much anyway which still which made him angry. Yeah. Because yeah, he thought that he was growing up but he really wasn't. Right. Right. And they did all this talking about he's going to be important in, in the final confrontation because then we'll have that extra person with you and it's a security thing and you should totally do it. 
And in the end, I felt like Hermione never really did, like, when Ron came over and he's like, did the formal apology, it was Harry who took him aside and, and, and said, hey, we want to invite you into the order. But I, I was really, if Hermione was okay with this, I really felt like she should have been more involved in that. Yeah, I didn't feel like she was okay with it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I agree. And if she was really not okay with it, that's the sort of thing that I would have liked to have had known about before they invite yeah. him into the inner circle. Yeah, but I mean, I think that, I think she knew that she was, <clears throat> I think she kind of accepted that she's never going to be okay with it and that she's just going to have to deal with his presence there and try not to kill him. You know, I don't think that she's making an active effort to try to accept him or to try to forgive him for what he's done. I think she's just like, Ugh, all right, fine. Yes, we need him. I guess I'll have to just deal with it. But the question well, is, why did they really need him? Other uh, than, well, for, well, I mean, just to keep the trio together. Well, they yeah, said I mean, basically because when when it came down to it, and they were doing the whole the plan with the yeah. bonding and the whatever, to not be suspicious, they needed to have everybody together. Mm. They didn't have to have everyone, but it didn't make sense to have people who were not of the trio. Right. So well, either they, it didn't make sense to have only only two thirds of the trio. Well, well I could, they, they could do Hermione and, and, and Harry, but it didn't make sense to then have, you know, Snape or McGonagall or somebody like that. And that would have made the Death Eaters suspicious and wary. So they're like, okay, well, the Death Eaters yeah. will understand if it's Hermione and they'll understand Ron, but nobody else. So either you can have just one person at your back or you can have two people at your back, which is yeah. better. It's well, I can, and I can understand that. I just, I think for Hermione's sake, for having Ron be in the order, I think that he didn't need to be necessarily, Ron didn't necessarily need to be an order member or, you know, an inner circle member even to go through something like that at the battle, I don't think. Because I think that what a lot of what Ron did was inhibitive to Hermione because she had such strong feelings about him and the ways that he had behaved and actions that he'd made in the past. And he never really, I mean, he tried to redeem himself, but he still continued to act like a 17-year-old boy. And, you know, he didn't really have the character growth and he was still kind of painted as a twit. And mm -hmm. he could have been placed there for, for whatever reasons, but they didn't really need to bring him into the inner circle. You know, if they wanted to bring him into the to the order and he could sit around with Fred and George and crack wisecracks and play jokes, I can understand that. But they chose to bring him in to point where he was in on things that, I don't know, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. But I think it was a, a stressor for Hermione. And second yeah. too. I, I'm back a couple of chapters still where they're learning the curse. Mm -hmm. and Ron's just not able to do it, and, and he says, you know, I, I don't know how to hate. And Hermione says, you want to learn how to hate? Not a problem. I can teach you in three easy seconds. And she does the legitimates or a mind meld, depending on how you want to look at it, and just kind of conveys what happened on her initiation, and not very much of it even. And he just is devastated because she's poured her memories of what happened into him, and he just he doesn't know what to do. And she's like, you know, that happened to me a year ago, and I'm still standing. You can live with this. And, and she's fairly callous about it. Um, yeah. She's not very, you know, to her it's just and, matter of fact. 
something that she felt like. Lack of patience, you know, like she has been she has been living this double life and having to do the this facade all the time while to her it's like all these childish whatever that they're pulling and and for him after he knows what's going on after he knows that she's been spying and everything else harry sort of goes hey you know all those things that i thought were so important maybe they weren't so important but the problem is that ron doesn't mm-hmm. he, right. he hears about it and he sees it and he's like you know what? The problem here is Snape. Yeah. <laughs> She's just like, has no patience for the fact that he's willfully blind to her. Yeah. And to, and so to her, she has, mm-hmm. and so she has no patience for when he's like, I don't know how to hate. And she's like, well, I'll, you know, I'll, I can show you, but it's going to take a piece of your innocence. Yeah. Yeah. Because and- he does still have that innocence, that sort of boyish, not the way he sees the world is still very carefree up, up until that point. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I had this moment in chapter forty-eight where Hermione's sick and and sort of this is tender moment and and Snape's sort of like I sort of like when you're sick because then you know let me take care of you and and then Draco and Harry have this tender sort of fairly close friendship moment up in the gym. And I went, is Hermione pregnant? Is this going to be a Harry Draco slash fic? Like, what's going on here? Like, it didn't go anywhere, but I was sure for a bit that that was going to be something. Yeah, yeah, I thought that, I mean, I wondered if it was going to eventually turn into a Hermione Sev baby, Hermione's going to die in the final battle, or she's going to have to choose whether or not she's going to go fight or have a baby, and it was going to turn into, you know, mushy fluff, but I was glad that it didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and and I was like, is this supposed to be this, you know, sort of the writer telling us that that she's pregnant? And then I started thinking about it more, and I was like, wait, if she's pregnant, who's the father? (laughs) And so, like, I I went off this whole long tangent that was not relevant at all in my mind as I'm reading the story. And I'm like, but wait, I need more clues about this. And it it didn't actually end up being anything. But Okay, what the hell are you talking about? In chapter 48, Hermione is sick. Uh-huh. And there's this whole big deal about Snape taking care of her. Because she doesn't feel well. And, like, over breakfast, she's like, I really don't feel well. And then she's, like, really not feeling well later. And Snape is taking care of her. And I was like, oh, my God, is she pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God that didn't pan out. <laughs> also, sorry for just the bluntness of that question, but I, I really needed tea. It was a tea emergency. So I came back, and all of a sudden, Hermione might pregnant and I'm just like I'm so confused and it was right after that she and, and and Snape had realized they had feelings for each other and I was like well are they up to that stage yet or like are they not up to that stage do we definitely know this is a uh, Malfoy baby or like <laughs> oh my god just what the world needs more Malfoy babies well, I mean, it, yeah. but it, it wouldn't have necessarily had to be a Malfoy baby. I mean, maybe he shared. That's yeah, true. She could, could be anyone. Could have been a, any Death Eater baby. Just <laughs> frightening. Any Death Eater. Yes. Although yeah. I don't think he shares. I don't see him as as wanting to share so much. I don't think he wants to share, but I think that I think he has to. I think yeah. he has to if he wants. That's true. If he wants to keep her, he has to share. Yeah, Otherwise, I think well, that she has to take her away. Yeah, I think that she has to That's do whatever, whatever she yeah. 
it needs to do too. Yeah, but I think that was not. I think the norm was that he would not share because there is a comment about how when when she's getting sort of randomly beat up by the other Death Eaters who are unhappy with life, they say, you know, did they rape you? And she's like, no, you know, basically Malfoy doesn't share well, and they know I'm his, so everything but. So I think there is a, you know, sort of this is his territory thing unless the Dark Lord says, hey, you have to share today. Yeah. Whatever good that does her. Yeah, that's sensible. Yeah, I can see that. I know we d- we talked about Unforgivable some, the dueling practice. What did you think about the fact that they were teaching them at all? In Deathly Hollows, I really didn't like it when they had the trio using any of the Unforgivables in the first place. Obviously, this was written before that. But in terms of them teaching these Unforgivables to everybody, because there's a number of underage or just barely of age, but still in school, students who are in at least the outer circle of the order, who they end up doing, giving these dueling practices or lessons or something, and that they end up teaching the unforgivables. It's obviously not part of the Hogwarts education or anything, but I don't know, it, it, it sort of, it bothered Un- me that they're doing it at all. Yeah, unforgivables on, you know, the side of the light for the order, for the trio, for anyone, I don't really care for it much at all. I guess in Deathly Hollows, I can understand where Harry came from, from, you know, throwing a crucio, but I didn't really think he needed to do it. I didn't think it was necessary. That's just the author chose to do that, and that's how she wanted to portray some of the anguish of the things that he had been through, that he'd had that much pain going on that he could do that. So I guess I understand that, but I just don't feel like... They're unforgivable, and I think that they teach that they're unforgivable, and, and I think that if it was written truly to canon, that the unforgivables would be the very last thing that they would use in their arsenal. But and that I mean, the only people, only people that would use them were, would be few and far between, right. and I wouldn't well, I mean, see the kids being taught any of them. Right. Well, I mean, I agree with you in that... That I'm I'm slightly uncomfortable with the side of the light knowing them, and I completely agree with you that it should be used as a last resort, but at the same time, it needs to be taught. I mean, if you're going to have it as a last resort, you damn well better know how to do it. You know what I mean? Like, you, you can't have it in your arsenal as a last resort if you don't, if it's not in your arsenal at all. Um, so, I mean, I don't necessarily like it, but I think that it would have been really, really foolish of them to have gone into battle without that knowledge at all. Well, but on the other hand, episode. there are a lot more damaging curses. That's true, but I also think the Unforgivables are just, like, the first ones that people think of a lot of times, and I don't know. And as also, as you said, it was a really great plot device as a way to um, sort of get out all that anguish and angst and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it, it, I didn't exactly like it, but I I understood why she did it. And, and I the did, other thing I with the Unforgivables is if you've got to have that much hate in you to throw Crucio, we saw through canon what it took for Harry to do it. He went through a lot of stuff to be able to throw that curse. What does the average person who leads an average everyday life have to go through to be able to feel that kind of emotion? Who was really going to be able to have that kind of response? That was just my problem with it. Harry... Ron, Hermione, they arguably went through some pretty rough times, so Harry obviously the most. If there was going to be somebody that could throw him at Harry, Jenny, I just I just couldn't see your, your average everyday seventh year who went home at Christmas and Easter and had loving parents. Even if it was a bad world and there was a war on, I just still didn't see your average everyday person just having that kind of simmering blackness in their soul to be able to, to perform those spells. But then again, they're not teaching it as a class. 
class at Hogwarts, these are all order members and they're all motivated through one thing or another. Like you have Neville because of his parents and you have Luna. I don't know why we have Luna. What was her motivation for? I do not remember. Clearly it wasn't that important. I think just because she wanted to make her a character in the book, I guess. But in any case, like you have all these different, I don't think she was in the order. I think she was just in the DA. But you have all these different characters who are motivated for one reason or other. And they're not just G-Random, Ravenclaw or Gryffindor or whatever. They're, they're just, they're people who have been selected because they have this motivation in one way or another. The but only exception being Ron, who's sort of like, he's got the right family ties, apparently. Right, but remind, remind me, did they teach this to only... I mean, who did they teach this to? Like, to everyone? To everybody in the, yep, in the inner the circle, circle? The outer circle? The Absolutely. inner, inner, outer, inner, yep. your mom's circle? Everything. They taught it to everyone? Okay. Yep, and that's how <clears throat> Neville was in one of the outer circles, but he is taught it as well. Okay. As is Ginny and Luna. Okay. Yeah, for that, I mean, I stand by what I said before, that everybody should know how to do it. But uh, for this, I also see the logic of Gen 2's argument that why on earth would, like, Luna or Fred and George be able to, like, just pull off these curses. I agree with you on that, Jen. I mean, because obviously Unforgivables are high-level curses. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like, you know, doing Wingardium Leviosa or, you know, making water come out of your wand. There's some high magic to that. So you've got to be pretty qualified to, to do it at all. And also you have to have that factor of having that negative force in your soul to, to make it happen. And, you know, right. I've had some pretty nasty crap happen to me in my life, and, and I don't think if I was a witch that I could throw it. Yeah, I probably couldn't either. I don't know. But then again, I'm not fighting a war. I have no idea. I'm not in their shoes. You know, we don't know what we do in the in the same situation. So, yada, yada, yada. That's true. So, shall we, have we exhausted this topic and shall we move on or is there yeah, more? I think the, I think unless so. Omley has something to say, I think this horse is sufficiently dead. <laughs> Yeah, that one's pretty good. All right, uh, guys, we are so shockingly on topic. This is awesome. Okay, we're not going chapter by chapter. I know, right. but we're but we're moving it. Through. Yeah, right. we could sort of hit topics sort of as we go through. One thing I thought was really weird is mm. in chapter fifty-two, all of Snape's, which had the ally thing, but all of Snape's spies delivering mental reports into a magical <laughs> device embedded in their arms every ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? And I was like, you mean like a dark mark? Like, yeah. it's a dark mark, that, but it's like the same time. It's a light mark. It's like a light dark mark. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not a dark mark. It's a communication device. Yeah. That really is a dark mark. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like a phoenix, so it's okay. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's okay. It's the Slytherin thing to do. It's all right. Well, and then there was the other thing, you know, in regards to this same idea <laughs> that... You know, the whole Hermione and Severus, the way that they communicate after she comes back from a revel or a meeting, you know, that they just stare at each other. Yeah. <laughs> rather than talking. Mm-hmm. It's just, every time I would read read that, I don't know if you're a Disney fan, but there's this section in Little Mermaid <laughs> where the seagull, you know, says this line about, and they all sat around and stared each other in the face, and it was very boring. <laughs> Wonderful. A bandit, bulbous, Snarflat. Oh. Now the Snarflat dates back to prehistorical times when humans used to sit around and stare at each other all day. Not very boring. 
<laughs> yeah, I remember. So, so I just think about her come about her standing there and staring at each other, and just all that staring just is funny. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember in, in my notes for I think some of the previous chapters, I had two notes about this. The first one was, "Oh God, get a room." And the second one was, how rude is that to just, like, it's like talking about someone when they're standing right there and they don't know what you're talking about. And so, like, poor other people just kind of have to sit there and watch them stare. It's, it's, it, the, the conversation kind of goes like this. Yes. A great idea. What? Right. Like, like, how rude could you be? You know, I just, it, it bugs me when they do it in front of people. But when they do it, like, with each other, I, it doesn't really, I think it's kind of cute. And then there was another thing kind of in the same thing with the staring. At some points, I thought that the magical tapestries mm-hmm. in Severus's rooms were kind of ingenious, and then other times I thought they were really funny. Because I think in... think they were funny? Well, because I think there's a place in Chapter 52 or Chapter 53 where Hermione says she leaves one open just enough so that she can hear through it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a magical tapestry, not a door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's got like eavesdropping capabilities. Leave the connection open just a smidge. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the whole idea is pretty smart. You know, they can just flit in and out of these little special doorways, and they take them right to where they need to go. And I thought that was pretty awesome. But yeah. then I just read that part about well, I I left the tapestry open just a little so that I could see, I could read, hear through it, and. How would how would you not notice if the tapestry is open? Doesn't it glow? And again, that's what I thought. So wouldn't that be a big red screaming, hello, tapestry's open, we're not private. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why I just found that funny, but for some reason I did. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, it's all Gen 2 is good for tonight. Well, I also really enjoyed that Hermione had her own little special version of this, which was a Waterhouse poster in her head girl room. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I like Waterhouse, but a poster? Like, that's your equivalent of a tapestry is a poster? Okay, yeah, sure. I'm thinking, does not even move? Well, what if the uh, but what if the poster ripped? You know that would suck. Seriously, <laughs> somebody like no, go on. Your poster ripped, and then your tapestry would be out of order, and then you'd have to actually walk to where you needed to go. Oh, God forbid! <laughs> oh, Muggle references in the Wizard World. Yes. Speaking of, uh, speaking of Muggle references, there was a thing that I thought was going to go somewhere, because, you know, I had a lot of these, where they started going on about how Muggles and Wizards had worked closely together. And I know it was to sort of um, introduce Hermione's plan later, but they were talking about, oh, there are these periods where, where Muggles and, and Wizard culture work together. And that's sort of why Wizarding culture is sort of stuck in the Middle Ages in terms of, like, fashion and architecture and everything else. Right. And I thought that was going to go somewhere, like, and be like, hey, look, and now that we've cut our ties, you know, so we should, like, put them back together. And I guess there were some references of that where Snape was like, oh, and I made this spell based on this muggle technology. And he's got his, like, bioptics and the retina scanning devices and fingerprints and, and all that good jazz. Yeah, there are certain things about the, the wizard world and the muggle world that, that don't mesh together when you think about, you know, high technology and still wearing woolen capes and 
you think mm-hmm. if they could have those great spy devices that they would find some less restrictive clothing. Yeah. Well, in my head where, you know, I have to connect everything to English Major or Wizard Rock, there's a Wizard Rock song called Muggle Magic by this band called Hogwarts Trainwreck. And it's all about how, like, hold on a second. We have, like, Teflon pots, and they have fire. Or they, or they, have, te- they have Teflon pots, and we have fire. And they have email, and we have Hedwig. <laughs> Anyone else think that's a little weird? Yeah. It's basically the gist of that song, and I just think it's so funny. Yeah, and you'd think that because they were magic that they would have a lot more than what we have, I guess. Yeah. Instead, they have less. Well, yeah, they have less. I don't know. I just kind of see if such a thing as a computer or, like, Teflon would ever come into the wizarding world, I feel like they would just reject it on principle. And not necessarily because it's a muggle invention, just because it's newfangled and not you know, traditional and, bah, it's good enough for my father, it's good enough for me, sort of thing, you know? I just feel like that's the wizarding mentality. You think? I do think. I could be wrong, but I do think. Hmm, okay. All right, I'll take that. Okay. I could go into more detail, but I actually, that was a lie, I really can't. That's just the impression that I get. No, so I we, just... No, go on. Okay, no, forget it. I actually have nothing else. I just, I'm sitting here going, okay, all right. I can accept that. I just always um, thought that they would be more in want of more better technology. I don't know. I mean, they always struck even me if, as... Even if it was wizard-created technology. Yeah. I don't know. They always struck me as sort of fairly content with what they have. You know, in all the canon that I've read, which is all of it, you know, they've never really seemed to want for anything. So they're, I don't know, they just, they seemed content and they seemed very like, you know, Hogwarts is sort of this grand, you know, I don't want to say epic, but this huge, like, traditional structure that's just, like, steeped in history. And, you know, the muggles have, or the wizards have their own, like, old-fashioned robes and they use torches and it's very, like, sort of this, this, like, grand thing that's very, like... Wizard, the Wizarding World is, like, very aware of its past, and I feel like they're okay with that, and I don't know that they necessarily need or want to move forward. Yeah, I, I can accept that, but on the other hand, you know, I have to walk up and down my stairs to do 27 loads of laundry a day, and, and I keep thinking about it from, you know, the mom aspect of Molly Weasley, that, you know, wouldn't it be nice if she just had that front-loading washer? <laughs> front-loading washer. Well, I don't know what the wizarding... <laughs> I don't know how wizards do laundry, but I imagine she might probably enjoy that, if well, she thought about it. Like I said, you know, I have different things that follow around in my head than what some people do, so, you know, I'm thinking about the best scouring agent for wizard toilets. And whether they've had any new advances in removing rust rings from water stains and things like that. And it's probably just because I stay home and take care of my kid for a living. Yeah. Maybe if I was out more in the world, I wouldn't have these weird thoughts. I could be. I don't know. <laughs> I do well, know, but I... <laughs> so, well, speaking of Molly Weasley, what did you guys think about her reaction to catching that sort of intimate omen between Snape and Hermione while Ugh. they're in order? Ugh. I wanted... Okay, hold on. I have to... What was this? This was... 51. 51. Okay, let me see. What have I written? For the love of God, Molly, it's none of your business. Leave it the f*** alone before I kill you, Blee Netter. 
Well, I think that pretty much sums it up right there. Oh, my God. Molly Weez, I just, oh, I just wanted to ram her head through a wall for, like, the umpteenth time in this fic. She just, I mean, I know she's protective, but good good Lord, it's none of her business. If Snape and Hermione want to do whatever the hell they want, they're adults, they can do it. Ugh. I just wanted to ram her head through a wall. She's just, like, unacceptable. I guess in terms of this story, I just don't understand. Molly's not a stupid woman. This story she is. Well, she is, but Molly's not stupid. She's raised a lot of kids. She's got boys. She's in the order. She's been through two wars. Hermione's with Cedrus, and that's pretty clear. And she's not with Ron. And it's obvious that she's been going to Death Eater meetings. And anybody that knows anything, especially I would think in that generation of the Order, knows that the Death Eater meetings are, they don't sit around and have high tea. So I'm going to guess that she should have had an idea what level of maturity Hermione could handle. And it wasn't really her place to go snarking around about what she needed to be doing. On the other hand, I think it was it was more a, a reaction of surprise than it was like because she does come to the point later where she's like, I can see you have a lot in common and that. But I I think it's that initial because we see a lot of the small little moments that lead up to the trust and the intimacy between Snape and Hermione. But almost all of those moments happen in Snape's quarters. True. They're in private, and they're certainly not at the Order, where this is the first time after the killing of the five-year-old or four-year-old or something Mm -hmm. that she's just so overwhelmed by it and and by everything else that there is this, you know, tender moment of you did what you had to and you were as, as humane as you could be in the situation and... And he's giving her support. But from the outside, this is the first time that there is that sort of moment that Molly could have ever seen. So it's just a shock because she sort of has mentally, first of all, she's mentally compartmentalized Hermione in a way which we already know doesn't work. She's, you know, this little girl. She needs to be protected. And, and, and we know that doesn't work terribly well. And she's, she's still struggling to overcome that. And while she's still coming to terms with the fact that Hermione is a woman and an effective woman and someone who is able to do all these things at the same time when she's finally getting to terms with she's doing these things for the order and everything else then she sees this and she's like snape that bastard he knows exactly how horrible this is and he's taking advantage of it you know Mm -hmm. i don't know so i understand molly's reaction i i i do believe that this author's depiction of Molly is sort of two-dimensional. Yeah. But within that, I think it's not crazy for her to be this sort of non-understanding. Un-understanding sounds wrong. Somebody help me out here. Words. Unsympathetic. Unsympathetic, sure. That she's unsympathetic to it. Well, I mean, I, I sort of agree with you. I mean, I think that Molly, even in canon, Molly's way of dealing with things is to just, you know, scream first and ask questions later. Um... And I think that we see this, this whole situation was just a really good example of it. But I think that she just like just t- took it way too far. You know, I can I mean I can understand her need for information and her need to just know. You know, you know, like her world just kind of shifted a little bit and she needs to realign it. So I mean, like I can understand the need to just kind of know what she's walked into. 
But, I mean, there comes a point where you just need to stop. And I just think that she crossed it, you know? I agree. Yeah. All that came up because we were talking about the rebels with the child and everything. So when we go to the next set of rebels, or what Hermione thinks is, and so she gets called with the dark mark, and it's the fake dark mark call, right? Mm-hmm. My first mm-hmm. thing was, I was like, how do you fake that? Yeah, I wrote that too. I was like, what? I don't understand. I don't know. Maybe magic. When in doubt, blame magic. Yeah, it's magic. I don't know how you would do it, but I gotta admit, it's like a good excuse. Some sort of really, really impressive magic to fake the Dark Lord's call. So that was my first thought, and then my second thought was, well, in in canon, we see during the Quidditch Cup, don't they put a dark mark in the sky before Voldemort's back? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, so they can they can do the green fireworks, so maybe they can do the burning mark. I don't know. It just seemed a little. Yeah. But my real problem with this, right? Okay, Mm -hmm. so they do the fake Dark Mark call. She goes, they ambush her. She comes back as a medical emergency, right? And after having uh, attacked two of them that were pinning her down or something, right? Mm -hmm. And then she goes back to tattle to the Dark Lord, which is literally what I wrote in my notes. Off to tattle to the Dark Lord. And they're all, like, standing around headquarters going, Hey, I know. We just did a thwarted attempt on one of the Dark Lord's favorites. I know. Let's go back and wait for her to come back. Because we know she escaped alive. Woo! Sounds really weird. I mean, like, because they're all like standing right there when when she well, crawled. No, didn't back. didn't they have to get somebody to to go find them? Voldemort had to get somebody to to fetch them. Because I mean, don't they? They all live in in headquarters, right? Don't they? Or at least a uh, bunch of them do. A bunch of them do because of them being basically unsafe everywhere else. Right. Right. So, I mean, like, it makes sense that they, I mean, if, if they live there, then it makes sense that they would be there, because where the hell else are they going to go? And I don't know, also, maybe they didn't think that Hermione would go tattling so quickly. I don't know. Maybe they weren't thinking at all, question mark. I don't know. I don't know. There's just a bunch of different plot points that sort of strike me as weird in this sort of way, where I'm just like, oh, well, that's a little weird and convenient. Oh, yeah, convenient. That happens to me a lot in this fic. It's like, oh, thank God Hermione's aunt is a martial arts master. Oh, thank God Snape just created a potion for just such an occasion. Oh, thank God there's a spell for that. I don't have any to be a lot in this fic. It's, it seems very get smart to me at times. Have oh, you man. ever watched that show? That years. <laughs> he always had the perfect thing. Smart. Maxwell Smart. I don't know. I never watched Get Smart. Oh, sure. Make me feel old. I'm sorry. Don't feel old. I got um, your back, Jen. Well, that's okay, right. you know, because I got an email the other day to join the AARP. Mm. Oh, my God. Did you? <laughs> that's rough. My sister, when she turned 20, must have gotten, like, something got crossed or something because she got a letter from the AARP asking her to join. <laughs> I didn't get a letter. And it was addressed, it was addressed to her personally, to her house. And she's like, how did I get on this list? Okay, that's a little weird, I'm not going to lie. She turned 20, she was old at that point. Oh, yeah, 20's ancient. I'm just 36. I have a lot of life left in me. (laughs) (laughs) From from that same chapter where Hermione goes back to the Dark Lord, you have this great quote from uh, Jane the House Elf, who I adore. I love it. Scowling, te- yeah, scowling teenagers are an abomination unto nature, I swear. I love house elves. I think, you know, I have a house elf fixation. Okay. I think they're good in every fic. I love them. You never have a bad house elf, I think. What did you think, this is skipping ahead a little bit, but what did you think of the insight we get to see? Because we do hear a lot in these chapters of sort of references to Jane's classes 
But then towards the end, we actually get to see one. And you get to see her talking to Dobby, I think. And she's like, you know how to use grammar perfectly well. Don't give me that crap. Yeah, that cracked me up because, you know, you think about how the house elves, they are also, they all sound like they learned English as a second language. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> you know, and then there's, here's Jane, you know, and she sounds like an English major. You know, maybe mm-hmm. even been through graduate school and had English major. Hey. And, yeah, hey, you know, hey. she sounds very learned. And you're thinking, so is this all a big friend in the kitchen? Are they actually having intelligent conversations while they're cooking dinner? No, I'm sure they they actually talk like that. Well, I just wondered if they dumbed themselves up for for the humans. I think it's a possibility, but I feel like if it happened, it had probably happened generations ago. You know, and at the point it just, like, became sort of ingrained in them, and that's just how they operate now. And I feel like maybe Jane's family would have been like one family that had just sort of kept up the old ways where everybody else had just kind of like forgotten and just kind of speaks the way that house elves normally speak and so jane has decided nope not not okay classes and then again is that a statement about free will because that house elves are not really supposed to have free will then they have education and or intelligence then they wouldn't want to be slaves anymore yeah i think so because she talks about this as a mentality of a slave mentality you know mm-hmm. and there there definitely is a, a strong historical evidence for this sort of you don't want or you, you see a lot of lack of education in not just slaves but in in, in people of just races that have been races or cultures or ethnic subgroups or whatever that have been sort of lower class. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, it's it's totally an, an ingrained thing where you sort of keep each other down because you're like, oh, you're getting airs and you're, you know, and, and that's sort of how they treat Dobby when he's like, I'm a free elf and they all treat him like he's an untouchable. Right. Right. I think Sue is back. Damn. Yay. 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 Welcome back, Sue. Just trying to be sneaky. <laughs> hey, you know what? Hmm. We've got each oh. of the houses. We do. Hey, that's right. Hey, what a Yay. good observation. Oh, See, all that science school works for something. Yes, yeah. it does. <laughs> I'm a genius. Yay. <laughs> I can count to four. <laughs> that's better than I can do a lot of days. <laughs> yeah, it's better than I can do today. That's nice. Hey, Sue, you're back yes. just in time for Hermione to plan a seduction. Woo! Ooh, fun. <laughs> oh, wait, before before Hermione plans a seduction, there was one thing that I wanted to mention is just like a really, really um, fun sort of little depiction of, well, maybe not fun, but a nice depiction of Severus and Hermione's relationship that happens in Chapter 53. Mm-hmm. Um, before... After Hermione comes crawling back at her medical emergency status and she, you know, everybody is still freaking out and they're like, what on earth is happening? Why is she like this? And yada, yada, yada. And, um, you know, sort of everybody's in the room and she gets like a spell of, like of uh, Crucio pain. And as we know, the only way to stop Crucio pain is to just basically get the crap beaten out of you. (laughs) And so the following happens. He slapped her again. Get a grip on yourself, woman. Oh, you little bitch troll from hell. He shouted, no, howled at her. His anger is terrible as a sudden storm building over the sea. This is just a scratch. Are you such a coward that you give up like that? Hermione Granger, listen to me. God damn you. Another slap. Severus, I don't really think, Dumbledore said, helplessly staring at his spymaster that had obviously gone mad with pain. 
Quiet, Severus shouted, and such a power was in his voice that the room fell silent completely. Is this your Gryffindor strength, Hermione? This is nothing. You are weak, pathetic. Open your eyes. Gods damn you. Loss of limb will not excuse you. Open your bloody eyes or I will rip them out from your skull. <laughs> nothing but silence in the room and the labored breathing of Severus and the muffled sobs of Mrs. Weasley and Tonks. Then, when Harry had already started to turn away in defeat, a tired voice, raspy and hoarse, made him whirl around. You, Severus, Hermione whispered, <laughs> and cracked her eyes open in silent show of unbelievable strength. Severus smiled, his anger melting away from him like a snow and fire. I knew you were just lazy, he told her quietly, and softly caressed his, her face with his thumb. You are a monster, she, she answered, still barely audible. I was never... Her words ended in a coughing fit that raked her thin body like a leaf. Quiet, Severus ordered her. Relax and let me heal you. You look as if someone slapped you in the face repeatedly. Bastard. <laughs> she mouthed and closed her eyes again to his tender smile. Sleep, he whispered. I will be right there. I promise. I love you. Is it wrong that I was totally aroused by that? Aww. Aww. So he beats the crap out of her and then he tells her he loves her. Yes. Aww. But he was beating the crap out of her for her own good. Yeah. I know. I've never no. like that. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was really kind of funny and sweet, especially the part about quiet. You look like you've been slapped in the face repeatedly. Yes, that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. You have to have that little comic relief in there after the whole beating up scene. So Yes. And oh man, I needed it. At that point I was like shaking and like, Oh my god, what on God's green earth is happening? Ah oh funny. Yeah, no, and the author's really good at that, at, at sort of these little moments of, of levity. Because there are, and I understand that a lot of people had a really hard time with various parts of this fic as too violent or gory or just plain old disturbing. Oh, it's just like a bloodbath in here today! And there are some really dark parts, but there's a good job of, of providing sort of this sort of gallows humor in between mm -hmm. that I really liked because I think it sort of gets you in the the sort of headspace of this fic. And it's like um, Ryan had asked me, he's like, what do you like about this fic? And I told him, I think it really gets to the heart of the fact that war is pretty damn awful. And yeah. you do awful things, and they do awful things back, and nobody likes any of it. And so this doesn't try to make things alternating whatever, rainbows and unicorns with the dark paces, but it's got this like very sort of dark sense of humor, which lets you get through it. Right. And it's what yeah. the, it's what gets the characters through, and what's what gets you as the reader through it. Right. Or it just would be really. I know a lot of people had trouble reading it, and I didn't. But those parts really do help keep you going. Yeah, and they they make the characters more human too. You know, they're not machines that just do all this crap and have no personality. You know, like they still crack jokes, which is comforting. Yeah, even though they are really machines. <laughs> right. Kind of. Sorry. Well, they are machines, but they're machines with personality. Yes. Hooray. So, Omni, you were saying something about a seduction? Oh, yeah. yeah it's time for a seduction. Woo. We're going to have to talk about... <laughs> we're going to talk about sex? Well, sounds pretty okay. good to me. Okay. Let's go. So, in Chapter 55, we start, like, Hermione's elaborate plans, which involve having to know the decor oh. of the livery <laughs> of the serpents. <laughs> The person to be due personal habits and dressing habits, his preference in women, uh, preference in breast size and shape, hair color, eye color, personality, this, that, and the other thing. It's like, how does she have time to go to school? Yeah. 
I actually have a note at one point which said, thank God that Hermione is a know-it-all. Otherwise, she wouldn't have time to do this and classes. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's like she does it all herself, and, you, you know, this is like something the Secret Service would do. Mm-hmm. Yes, Hermione is the Secret Service all by you know, herself. Hermione is, is so, she's just so bigger than life so often, and just... Super Hermione! Sue, <laughs> I was just thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> like, it's okay, Steve Cloves wrote her, she's fine. There you go. Yeah. Well, and of course, she dances. Wait till you see her dance. Oh, because she is, she's a ballroom dancer of... I was thinking that, too. Her, her, her aunt, the, the karate instructor, was also a ballroom dance teacher. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> she was on Dancing with the Stars last season before she did the spy thing. Oh, no, you know what it is? That um, Paradigm of Uncertainty Hermione taught her how That's to dance. That's what I was, yeah, I was thinking you of know, that one. <laughs> she Harry the with swing her swing dancing. dancing. <laughs> That's what it is. P-O-U Hermione taught Lioness Hermione how to dance. Or they're the same person. Either one. I wrote out of my notes, ballroom dancing perhaps? Or is it burlesque? <laughs> Did anybody oh. ever read that story? It, it, it was kind of a bad body story, but I read parts of it on HPFF. Um, it was called Arabesque. Mm-mm. It was a Hermione Draco story, and Hermione dances the ballet. And so whenever she danced, I always just, for some reason, had that Hermione in my head. And it was equally as ludicrous, but worked for me, so... Yeah, if it helps work, then that works. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, so. I just stuck chocolate in my mouth. <laughs> I'm working on a cough drop. Anytime I have a chocolate? It's a, one of those tiny little Reese's mini cups. Ooh. My brother is so good, he sent my mom Godiva chocolate for Mother's Day. Oh, that's nice. Is everyone else eating them now? Oh, no, no, no. It gets hidden in the bedroom, and I never see it again. <laughs> nice. That's not cool. Yeah, she doesn't share the Godiva chocolate. Nope, nope, nope. Honestly, I wouldn't really either. <laughs> so I just found the part that you were referring to and remembered it. I love how she puts Bill on the spot. A big yes. apple or a small grapefruit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, with his mother sitting right there. The boob yeah. thing. Yeah, the boob thing. Um, punks, I think. Plump or thin? <laughs> Intelligent or stupid? Yeah, it, it was a funny part. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, this is an overkill at all. No, this is, she all really needs to know every last minute detail. This is key. Well, if she's going to trap this guy, she needs to know. That's true. I mean, she does need to know, but I mean, just like the way that it was presented was just so like over-the-top ridiculous that I had trouble taking it seriously. Yeah, but I think it was meant to be kind of tongue-in-cheek funny. I kind us. of half-assed. No, no, I'm not even going to say it. It's kind of... Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. It's questionable. It's out if you want. Well, part of me wanted to know, you know, if, if maybe kept expecting her to ask if she needed to be blonde on top and brunette on bottom. Or it's like, she had all the... <laughs> <laughs> she had all wow. these really crazy <laughs> stories. Do the curtains match the drapes? <laughs> you know, should they be grapefruits or small apples or my hips? Should, you know, 36, 35, 32 and a half, 43, you know, I'm... You know, do I need cellulite on my thighs? I'm <laughs> yeah, just I'm a just little like, overkill. I'm like, this is just all just a little too much. He's a man. Yes. 
show him some T and some A, and <laughs> that's all you really need. Yes, that will be effective. Yeah. yeah. All right. I do like the whole spy thing through this, where they're like passing things off, and it was very Mission Impossible with them. Oh, um, you can appreciate this while you were eating. Mm-hmm. I said it the fact that everything was always so convenient that the conveniently Severus has this potion that can cure cancer and Hermione just happens to have martial arts knowledge or can mm-hmm. ballroom dance because, you know, her aunt, sister's brother's wife taught her when she was six. Right. It was all very get smart, you know. Yeah, it is and, <laughs> get smart. <laughs> uh, and Julia has no idea what that meant. I know what it meant. I just never seen it. <laughs> At least I've not seen any of the new movies, but I've seen all I saw the old ones. Oh, I'm not even referring to the new stuff. I'm talking about yeah. the old. And once again, the forces of niceness and goodness have triumphed over the forces of evil and rottenness. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, what I was thinking of. Yeah. Well, because of Peoncast, if uh, you want Mission Impossible music anywhere in this part, I have it. I think there is mention made. Yeah, I think there is. I think this whole fic needs that music, really. And, and yeah. I really wanted to play it softly while underneath them, because they, both Kelly and, and Trisha did that when we were talking about Extendable eyeballs. Extendable, extendable <laughs> items? Eyeballs. eyeballs. Oh, eyeballs. eyeballs. That's less exciting than Julia's version. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I picked, I picked that exact moment to cough, but I didn't hear it clearly. Great. Thanks a lot, because that's all I'm going to have in my head now for the next day and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I might even have to look it's, on... Oh, 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 wait a minute. You sound oh. very excited. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is so exciting. Holy crap, this is so exciting. Hold on, I have to get to it first. Oh, oh cool. This is anticlimactic. I'm going to really quick take my headphones off and put on a sweatshirt because I'm getting cold. I'm roasting in here. Yeah, I'll, I'll trade you. Yeah, I'll trade you too anytime. I don't what are we do hot weather. I don't do heat. Yeah. It's going to be 90 this weekend. Ugh. See, I'm always too warm. I'm very warm-blooded. Mm. So, like, uh, there comes a limit to how many clothes I can decently take off. Yeah. See, I have the opposite problem. Like, in the winter, I'm always freezing. Always, always freezing. But I li- kind of like it that way, because I like to wear sweatshirts and coats and stuff and mm. cuddle under blankets. Yeah, I don't well, do heat. I usually am not cold, but short sleeves, uh, my arms were just getting cold. Okay, Tomorrow I'm putting is- it I'm, I'm putting it into the chat window. Okay. I'm going to say one, two, three, click, and we can all watch it together. It's very I don't short. know where the chat window is. Crap. It'll come up. It'll come Maybe. up. Maybe. Right. It should have come up. Did you? Oh, she, oh, um, was that in the chat? Hold on, I'll add her. <laughs> okay. Okay, is this going to be like Peoncast where we all... Hit it on three. Wait, wait, wait. No. I have to, do we have to load it all first? Because it might load it differently. Yeah, first let's, first, first let's, let's, click, let's click the link and open the page, and then yeah. we'll, we'll pause it before it starts, and then we'll all hit play at the same time. You know, other than the fact that the kid in this is, is, is freaking awesome. Oh, this is um the kid that Jules Yeah, Jules. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know, she had to show us that, and then I had to sit here and watch every little one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah, you, I Jules. did that, too. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Jules. <laughs> you rock, Jules. Yeah. Hey, Jules. 
thank you for sucking, you know, an hour and a half of my day out because I really needed to sit and watch. Because, you know, the, the very first thing I thought was, my kid is starting guitar lessons tomorrow. <laughs> I don't care if she's three, you know, or not even three. I don't care how old she is. She's starting guitar tomorrow. Well, okay. we were getting dinner mom does a crossword puzzle during the meals. And she's like, okay, I need Apollo Anne. And I'm like, oh, this has got to be a Battlestar Galactica thing. What, what was his name? Oh, quite. Gen 2 is over there. She'd know his name. And I still can't come up with it. Who? It's Apollo and who? Who is with Apollo? Starbuck. Starbuck. Yeah, it was probably not the right one. Was, I don't think that was... Mm-hmm. Apollo that's, and that's, Diana? Yeah. yeah. I think I think it might have been more mythology. Yeah. So is everybody I, loaded? I, yeah. I'm, I'm ready. About halfway. It should be okay. Yeah, I think you're okay. Good Lord, Sue. Is your internet slow? It is, because I'm over in my apartment and not in uh, the main house. Okay, we'll try clicking it anyway. Yeah. Okay, everybody ready? One, two, three, click. That's awesome. I'm so bebop in my head right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, you have to. treated ourselves to the Mission Impossible theme as done live by a very talented Chinese boy. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Sue. Hey, Sue. You're very welcome. <laughs> so, getting back. So, which leaves us just in time for... We can now start Occupancy Take Two. Now yes. is wrong. Oh, oh, this is going to end well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so well. Yeah. Chapter 57 for those playing along at home. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I had visions of this going well, just as well as it did in the original canon. So, you know, it was better than that. Um, the, visualiza- the visualization methods for memory were really interesting because I had heard those before. The sort mm-hmm. of memory palace and whatever, which I don't think she gave a citation for, although she was pretty good about that in general, at least with the literature references. Sometimes yeah. I, a couple of them weren't cited, but sort of made reference to. Julia, our literature person, what did you think about that? She, she is getting a sandwich. Sandwich? You know. I know, it's getting to that point. Terrible. I'm going kayaking tomorrow instead of working. That sounds like fun. I know. It sounds like a lot over of fun. The, over the summer, I, I arranged my schedule so that I'm teaching Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, so I get four-day weekends every week. Oh, that's awesome. I know. I was like, this is the best idea ever. You know, isn't that like kind of like when you're in school and like when you're a freshman, your first term, you go in and you take eight o'clock course, and then by the mm-hmm. time you make it to your sophomore year, you realize, why? I am never, I am never taking an eight o'clock course, mm-hmm. let alone a seven o'clock course. And then by the time you're done with school, you've got everything packed on to Tuesday and Thursday afternoons and nothing else for the rest. 
rest of the week. Because you've mastered your schedule so that you can be at school at the least amount of time possible. Of course, maybe that's just me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, teachers put just as much thought into that sort of thing as the students do. They're like, well, how many times do I have to come to campus? And I don't want to be there before blah a.m. And all that good jazz. I have the opposite problem. I'm like, I want to leave by noon so that I can do like the, Mm -hmm. the park after school and yeah. I just applied for, I haven't heard back, I'm hoping, for the children's librarian job. I think it's <gasps> really fun. Do you know about Sandra Boynton's books? I don't think so. Do you recommend her? <laughs> yes, I love her books. I've got tons of them for Elizabeth, and they all are like that. They have that beat to them. Oh, my God. Uh, I love Sandra Bolton. She's fantastic. She's moo-ba-la-la-la. Yes, yes, book. yes. Moo-ba-la-la-la. La, la. A cow says moo. A sheep says A sheep ba. says ba. Three singing ba-la-la. Ah. No, no, you, no, say, you say, that isn't right. I they pick, pick, say, say oink, oink all day all and day night. And <laughs> <laughs> I read this to my, to my preschoolers all the time. They're fantastic. Yes. They, they um, sound just a little younger than my kids. It's how old are yeah. like, like three. Well, yeah, those are more like two and three. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how old my kids are. It's like click, click, move. It sounds like a click, click, move one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, definitely. All definitely check her out. She's great. All of her stuff is fantastic. It all has like like a really good rhythm to it, and my child loves it. Obviously, oh, I wouldn't know the, all the words to move blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> So where we left off before Julia went to go get a sandwich was... Peanut butter and jelly, by the way. Very good. There you go. There you go. See, if you could have it, I would send you some of my jam, but you can't, so... Oh, that's okay. I have smuckers. It's pretty good. Yeah. Not when you could have real jam. Real jam? What kind of jam did you make? Uh, Oh, so we're trying to move. Like, we're going to make an offer on a house. Okay. And so I'm like, okay, crap. We have to use up all of the stuff that we can that we don't always get through each winter. Mm -hmm. You know, like you have a little extra of something. Always. So we still have jam from 2006 and 2007. So I'm like, people need to eat more jam. Mostly strawberry jam. I have a little bit of blueberry, blackberry that we picked in Newfoundland or Nova Scotia. Mm. The strawberries are from New Hampshire. Oh, we picked. Wow. jam and it's tasty and it's really good on homemade bread yes like i'm hoping my black raspberry patch does well this year because we've had a couple bad years in a row it looks like it's going to be a good fruit year for us although we did have a freeze right at cherry time which is always scary but the justaberry plant is just beautiful so we're gonna they justaberry jam is the best i've never heard of it me either it's a cross between a black currant and a gooseberry Ooh. I've heard of gooseberries. My grandma had gooseberry bushes. <clears throat> this is so Hermione. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, the reference that before the sandwich making was just bringing up this topic of the author's really fond of bringing in these outside references, and I knew you had wanted to say things about this. Um, yeah, but later. Specifically, I, I was talking about the Memory Palace, um, although right. I don't believe it actually she doesn't give a citation, but there's a lot of things in here where she throws in references to things, some of which she's really good about citing and some of which she's not. Though they're always germane and they're not just like they usually don't feel like song fic or you know like mm-hmm. I think I skipped a sonnet at the beginning of one chapter and I was like oh I'm not reading the sonnet but other yeah, than that they just be, mm-hmm. for the record yeah there you go. but do you have thoughts 
Do you want to say that now, or you want to say it for later? I'll save it later, because what I wanted to talk about was um, some chapter titles of some of the chapters that are coming up, and it's pretty specific to those chapters, so I'll hold off on it until we get there. It's all good. Okay. Also, I'm still eating my sandwich. Well, there you okay. go. So, the other thing that bothered me when we get to these uh, sort of late 50s chapters is the fact that we get to a lot of blackmail, which is terribly exciting. Um, yes. Blackmail of fudge. And well, I'm like, and suddenly. Blackmail yeah. fudge. I like it whenever sure, anything bad happens to fudge. Yeah. And you I'm cheer. like, on our way to legally recognizing the order. Oh, wait, was this the chapter where, with the note that was like folded in a certain way, thereby communicating that it was fudge and because of the. Oh, how it was crumpled, yes. Yeah, was that this part or did that already happen? I think that already happened, but yeah. it, was a, it was an amusing thing if it did not already get mentioned. Yeah, I seem to remember talking about it, which is why I think it already happened. But either way, it was funny, so worth bringing up again just to say that it was funny. One thing anyway. I thought was interesting in the. When they were going to offer the memory of the prophecy for Voldemort, they're like, we're going to use a memory crystal instead of oh, like. Like, they're talking about memory crystals and like the guy who was supposed to do it. For had a deadline and he didn't do it in time and so oh right 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 and I was like memory crystal that's interesting I just I felt like canon already had something that functioned for this with the pensive mm-hmm. or pensive right. how much to say this but I thought it was interesting that that we had this new technology of the memory crystal and I wasn't really sure how it was supposed to differ in any way and why we needed it but it was interesting mm. everyone's like I don't care <laughs> sorry I'm distracted by Twitter. And sandwiches. Well, I was done with my sandwich. Now I'm distracted by Twitter, but I'm turning Twitter off now. Sorry, I was distracted by my husband, who was asking me how much longer we were going to be podcasting. What did y'all think of wand knives? Uh, wand knives. Um, knives. It was kind of cool. Kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, damn it, now I'm distracted by Facebook. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm yeah. trying to make some plans to have some eggplant parmesan in Boston. This is like a very big thing. Turn it off. Just to Boston all the time because I'm here. That's true. I should. Well, are you going to be at LeakyCon? Yeah. Oh, cool. Then I will be sure to find you and we can talk about stuff. Well, we're hoping to plan a trip to Jake Ivory's, which is a local dueling piano bar, which is like karaoke except everybody's singing all at once. Oh, that sounds interesting. It's fun. The drinks are awful, but, you know, you don't drink them, and it's fine. Oh, sounds great. When is this happening? Because I'm, I'm staying in Boston until... LeakyCon is over Sunday morning, but I'm staying in Boston until Monday Monday evening. Doesn't matter to me. I live here. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe when we're not in the middle of recording a podcast, we can, like, come up with something. <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy idea. Yeah, whoa. Yeah. Turn off the Facebook. Okay, I'm turning off don't, the Facebook. Don't get, don't get distracted. I know, as, I'm a terrible person. As sort of a general topic, there's a lot of discussion and a lot of chapters spent on sort of the discussion of what happens after, you know? Yes. And, and mm-hmm. if there is an after, and sort of how this is affecting the psychology of just about everyone. And they spend a lot of chapters on this. So what were you, what were you guys thinking about that? Well, in a way, this is a lot like canon mm-hmm. because yeah. they're wondering, you know, what happens after. And so it struck me as being very parallel to that. That was my first thing that I noted. And the, the second thing that I noted about that was just how, gosh, what is the word that I even want to use? 
how much like Harry at times Hermione reminded me because she knew that she was going to have to, she knew that she was probably going to have to sacrifice something in the end and that she probably thought she wasn't going to make it through it. And even though that Harry was going to be doing the deed with Voldemort or, or whatever, she knew that it was still going to be required of her to probably sacrifice herself too, even though she didn't really want a lot of other people to know that. And so in a way, it, it kind of, it, you kind of felt the, the desperation of the situation and, and how frustrated it made her when people didn't understand what she was trying to do or, or appreciate what she was after. Right. For the record, Harry doing the deed with Voldemort sets up images in my mind that should not be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry, I'm secretly 12. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing, too. <laughs> Editor, I don't know who it is. Take out Gen 2 doing the deed with the Voldemort. <laughs> oh, no, Gen 2 is doing the deed with Voldemort. This is really getting oh, bad. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm breaking out in a cold sweat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> when Harry has to take out Voldemort, you know, it makes Hermione very anxious. Because they go out for a lovely evening. <laughs> <laughs> you know they have dinner and a movie and you know they try to do all the butter up things before they do the deed and, and at the end you know someone doesn't appreciate someone very much and and everyone you know kind of has a gator kind of moment and uh... that was Draco and Harry <laughs> yes <laughs> with, the, with the queer eye in the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ted is down in the Grimmauld Place kitchen, you know, waiting for him after Carson's done with waxing his yeah. eyebrows. <laughs> you know, like, waxing his eyebrows and making comments about the size of his package. For gay guys, a hand on the pants just means hello, goodbye, and peace. It's our shalom. And how hot he is. Damn, that was funny. <laughs> I, I, I have this visual now of them in this little tiny bathroom. And, and That's exactly bath. the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> That's exactly the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, with like Draco going, now Harry, tell me about your shaving routine. <laughs> Harry, I just don't think your skincare regimen is very good. <laughs> So, Harry's going to do the deed with Voldemort, and by do the deed, we mean kill him, not sleep with him. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, and I was just trying to bring us back on topic. I was hoping somebody else would take off. There you go. Um, okay. So, to finish up graduation weekend, they do this whole thing, and they're like, hey, we get a little glimpse of uh, the author's idea of what graduation weekend would be like, which was sort of interesting, um, including a bit of Hermione's speech, which actually was not bad, although we don't get to see the, the leaving feast, but that's okay. We didn't need it. No, we, we, we did okay without it. Yeah, no, I, I felt like we did get a good feel for sort of exams and then what sort of the fact that they waited a couple weeks and then got their test results and their new results and everything. And I don't know, I felt like I had okay, an okay feel about that. And yeah. then Snape is Hermione's Imperioed puppet. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the scene was terrible in a good way broke my heart like nothing yeah. in the story had yet but it I had to be done it did have to be done i'm pretty sure okay this like the solid fact is that this fic when alinus fights in the history of fan fiction this is the first one that has ever driven me to drink like i was literally be reading it and i would just like freak out and be like oh my god i ah, vodka so but we, i didn't want i didn't want vodka instead had wine but i believe this was the part where i was just so like 
wrapped up and so like my heart was pounding my, my breathing was quickened i was like a mess a complete mess and i was just like oh my god i have to drink <laughs> i think this was this was the scene that did it i was just so like so it's pretty, involved it's pretty heart-wrenching it is mm-hmm. and very intense too yes i was just like i mean there was no really no way to read that scene passively you know, you had to right. just sort of, I mean, it was designed to make you react, and it did that very well, I thought. I think when I read it, I was pretty much on the edge of my chair the whole time, and I think I might have had to go get my blood pressure taken when I was done. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, oh, it was so horrible. I mean, God, what that must have, I mean, what that must have taken, the courage it must have taken for Hermione to do that to Severus, and for, you know, and for Severus to, um, you know, to resist as powerfully as he did, to just sort of lay his heart out there and just be like, you know, Hermione, don't do it. You can't. I will not allow you. There must be another way. And she's just like, no, there isn't. Sorry. She just, she does it and leaves and, ugh. You're just like, no, 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 no. She's going to go and it's all going to be over. Ah." Bad. And during the meeting, you're like, Harry Draco, somebody noticed something. Holy crap. Yeah, Yeah. he's sitting there like a vegetable. Oh, yeah. You know, he's like Severus Puppet. He's like, no, I think this is a great idea. I would (laughs) never do anything bad. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, come on, somebody figure this out. Well, I mean, if I I could be remembering this incorrectly, but didn't, like, after a while, didn't they notice something was weird and, I don't but know. she was already gone. It was already, she was already gone. But they were just like, like, yeah, that's weird, but we're just going to move on now. Right. Yeah, but by the time they realized it, it, w- it was done and there couldn't be, nothing could be done about it anyway. And, right. Yeah. Which is, uh that was also very, very heartbreaking. Well, the whole interaction with the Snape and the Imperioing, uh, make up words anyway was definitely intense but then the following scene within the same chapter when you actually see her go to Voldemort knowing what's going to happen and sort of getting this sort of play by play as she goes through it contrasting what she's doing and her thoughts about it right just was amazingly gut-wrenchingly written yeah oh it was so well done it was like watching a train wreck it was just done perfectly you know it was like you know that there, you know that there's no way she can survive and yet you just can't look away it was mm. just that was really well done and i remember you know i wrote in my notes i was like omg OMG, OMG, I am praying. I am literally playing, praying. Please, God, let her survive this. And oh, by the way, she's right. Severus is never going to forgive her. But it doesn't matter because she's going to be dead. Yeah, and that was another thing I was thinking. Like, you know, he is going to be so angry. He's going to be so mad. He'll never forgive her, but she's going to be dead. And, and then he won't have a life anymore because he's so in love with her. You know, he is just going to want to die too. And then that's all going to suck because... Everybody's gonna be dead. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that's sucks. really not a not really not a spoiler because we're talking about the end of the story and boo fail. Boo. You know what? This part sucks. We just skip it. I don't want to talk about yeah. this. It's making me sad. Uh, you don't get to skip it. We don't get to skip it. Um, no. Let's be good podcasters. Uh, but like they do a good job looking through the responses of all the different characters to Hermione's death, and I really mm-hmm. I thought there was a good job done here going through because like everybody has a slightly. I mean, everybody's obviously upset about it, but the variations between the characters. Characters, I thought was really well done. She does take the time to go through and be sort of showing the differences in how these characters that she has developed to this point react to it. Um, mm-hmm. And she spends that time, and I really appreciate the fact that she does. Yeah. But of course, Hermione isn't dead, but she just... No, she, dun, 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 she, dun. She, 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 she,
Sorry, I wrote in my notes, she can't be dead. She just can't be. She still has to be alive. I have a Gryffindor, damn it. I refuse to believe that she's dead. <laughs> like, the sheer power of my will force her to be alive. Yeah. Well, you know that she can't die, because if she died, then, then how would the story be over? 77. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And there's certain yeah. things that you have to take as an accepted fact. If you're reading on side, it, Harry and Jenny are going to be together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're reading this story, and you're in chapter 60-something, and there goes to chapter 77, and Hermione's going to die, and you're thinking she's going to die, she's probably not going to. Well, you never know. I mean, you know, some authors are just, like, all about the aftermath. And, you know, there was still, like, a battle to be fought and all that good stuff. So, I mean, it was possible, although uh, admittedly very unlikely that she had died. Well, I'm really just trying to make our listeners feel better at this point. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's no way. She was totally, had to be alive. Totally. She had. (laughs) No, Hermione was totally dead. It was all about the aftermath and all about how Severus cried himself to sleep for ages until he couldn't handle life anymore and he slit his wrists and sucked him some and, and yep. bled out on the grass in front of Dumbledore while he apologized for being a sucky <laughs> spy master. Yep. That's that didn't really happen. Yeah. Yeah. Although one thing I did want to say was that, I mean, just do you guys remember that scene where Severus couldn't even get the words out that there was nothing they could do for her? That they couldn't yeah. go and rescue her because it would just ruin everything and it was just like, oh my god. Yeah, that was that when was I like really the- just like had to stop. It was just too much for me, you know. Just you know like, oh. And and again, just like when he lets her go off to that revel for the first time, he's so dejected and he's so upset. He's resigned to the fact that you know she's made the choice and she's got to go off and do it. And it was her choice, and it doesn't make him happy. And in fact, it pretty much tears his world apart. But yeah. he doesn't let anybody go off and do anything stupid because he knows that that's what she wanted, and that's why they went through all of that in the first place because she had right. goals and or then, she had a vision of how she wanted things to be. And right. And then he kind of shuts himself away, and it's Luna who kind of who asks, well, where is he? And, and Dumbledore says, Severus is not feeling well at the moment. He's assured me that he wasn't in need of anything, and he would re- inform us of anything we needed to know. And Molly says, won't, won't he come out? And isn't good for him to be sitting all alone? And I love Luna's response to all of this. I will ask the Raxperts to guard him, she said suddenly. <laughs> they will protect him. Perhaps if I make him a necklace. Yeah. So Luna. But you really do. She goes away and then, you know, he goes and locks himself in his room and you think, what a bad, poor person. He's just locked away in there and you know that he's just sitting in a dark corner. And I remember reading it and thinking, oh my God, he is literally in hell. But then I read the next few chapters and realized, oh, that was nothing. Yeah, and that she is as well. Yeah. It just, oh my god, this whole thing was just horrible. Absolutely horrible. But, as we have learned, as we have discussed, she can't actually be dead. And, thank god, she is she not isn't. actually dead. She, she cannot be dead, because this is a Hermione, this is a Snamione fic, and we're not far enough lying in the chapter list for her to be dead yet. Right. That's just sheer logic happening, folks. Yes. Hooray. She might wish she was dead. Yes. yes. Now but that she not. is property of Lucius. Right. I feel like we're supposed to be just covering the highlights, but this whole bit is just like highlight tastic. So we really we the the way that we all find out that she's gonna get out of this is through Draco. She's gonna Draco is gonna know that she's alive. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, because he has to go home for the holidays and Lucius is going to show off his prize. Yeah, his prize to his son. 
who is then going to get the obliviate triggered triggery thing done, right? Um, and then go into bastard mode, right? Discuss. Yeah. Well, uh, discussing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's gonna don't go discuss. In, well, he's going to go in bastard mode, but then he's going to come back to school, and he's not going to come out of bastard mode, and he's going to go. <gasps> oh my god. Yeah. Ooh, what made that it? was that's it what was nice. Us. Yeah. It was it was nice to see him be appalled. You know, because I mean, we've been so like wrapped up in in Hermione and Severus that you know we we sort of forget that the other people are around there too, and it was like, oh my god, Draco, he's got a whole life and a whole story, and whoa, bastard mode, not so good. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. It, and and for so long now, he's not been in bastard mode. So when he goes back to bastard mode, you're just like, whoa. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure I like him very well. No, so it's so kind of kind of hard. Well, yes. yeah, you don't like him in bastard mode for sure. Yeah. Well, he doesn't even have that sort of the snarkiness which he had before because he's just lost all hope. Mm-hmm. Right. I guess you forgive him more for it now because, you know, you know that he's actually a decent human being instead of just some creepy, egotistical right. son of a bitch. You know that he's got something decent, good going on in there. So, but it's still, I didn't like it when he, you know, went into bastard mode. No. Yeah. Well, and neither did he. Kind of corners Harry and starts firing curses at him. And Harry's like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, he just doesn't get it yet. No. And but that will finally... Yeah, and then sure. they finally go, Oh, he's been triggered into bastard mode. Let's uh, fix it. Uh, Let's uh, fix it. Uh, yes. I wonder what did that. And then, of course, then that's when they find out that this is the Snymione fic. And it's a Snymione fic, so Snymione's not dead yet. Hooray! God be praised. And then Jane becomes everyone's hero. Oh my gosh. I like Jane. Oh my god. My my notes. Where are my notes? Hold on. I wrote something really funny. Um, where was it? Where was it? I am in love with Jane. I want to marry her and have little grammar nerd house elf babies. <laughs> <laughs> and on behalf of everyone, I'd just like to say my hand. That's funny. That was all I said. I was just like, Jane is amazing. She's just so awesome. I love her. I love that she figured out how to do it. And I love that she, like, saw Hermione as the ha- the mistress of the house and just said, yeah, that's it. She's my, you know, I'm, I'm yep. going to do it for her. Yeah. And it is really a process for her because she's been a free elf for so long that to go back and to be that subservient thing, that subservient elf is... It was hard. It was right. hard to watch do it, and it, it was hard on her, too, because she had to, she would really embrace it, and that was something that she hadn't done in so long that and it, you felt, it cost and you, her. And you just mm. felt so bad for her going back into the manor and, and having to be a... Servant like that. Just Yeah, and knowing that... It's so beneath her. Yeah. It just, it kind of the whole thing just squicked me out for Jane's sake, because mm. I just, even though she was, what what she was doing it for was good, it just... You felt bad that it had to come to that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And that she had to be so careful not to give herself away because... Yeah. It would have been really easy to right. just slip because she was so used to not having... She was so used to having her freedom and, and not having to be subservient. And, and you can't do that in Malfoy's house. Right. Yeah, I just kept... Every, I just cringed through the whole park because I'm just like, Jane, Jane, don't... Uh. 
you know, you're just afraid at every little corner that she's just gonna, something's going to happen. Somebody's going to notice she's yeah. not supposed to be there. Yeah, but and then after the rescue, has to go back and stay so she Ugh. wouldn't be missed, which that would be so hard. Wow, Jane is my hero. Finds a way to get her out. What does he do? She makes she makes her drink draft of the living death and sort of goes to Lucius and said that she died and buries her, except doesn't bury her and smuggles her out. That's yeah. what happens, right? Yep. Right. Okay. But it's been a little. It's been like a couple of weeks since I read this fic, and since then I've written many papers and done many other things. So it's like slipping away. Okay. So good. I remembered what happened, and then she gets back to Severus. Hooray! Hooray! Conveniently, he just happens to have a potion that can cure her. Hooray! But he doesn't want to. Uh, you know, he doesn't want to do it because he doesn't want to take the risk that she'll be that she won't recover, that she will recover, and that she'll hate herself or or anything. You know. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, now this, these two chapters where we are, we're at chapter 71 and 72. This is where I wanted to go into my little English major thing that I've been waiting for for weeks and weeks. Okay, I'm very, very excited. So this ta- this title, this chapter, chapter 71, is called Death Be Not Proud. And the next chapter is called Death Thou Shalt Die. Now first, anybody know what that's from? Okay. Be not proud. Okay, those two, Death Be Not Proud and um, Death Thou Shalt Die, are the first line and the last line of a John Donne poem called Holy Son at Ten, which I shall say for you, because I kind of have to, because I can't really talk about it unless you know what it is. So it goes like this. Death be not proud, though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so, for those whom thou thinkest thou dost overthrow. Die not, poor death, nor yet canst thou kill me. From rest and sleep which but thy pictures be, much pleasure then from thee much more must flow, and soonest our best men with thee do go. Rest of their bones and souls delivery, thou art slave to fate, chance, kings, and desperate men, and dust with poison, war, and sickness dwell, and poppy or charms can make us sleep as well. And better than thy stroke, why swellest thou then? One short sleep past, we wake eternally, and death shall be no more, death thou shalt die. Okay, so that's Holy Sonnet 10. Now, there are two, well, actually, there are many, many ways to interpret this poem, one of which is that it takes a sort of very Deathly Hallows-esque view of death. You know, that death is, it's just a part of life, it happens, you know, fate, chance, kings, desperate men, everybody succumbs to it. It's just a part of life, and it's just, it's just like going to sleep. You know, popular charms can make us sleep as well, and why are you so proud, death? Because, you know, you're going to get everybody in the end, but you know what? I'm okay with that, and your pride is going to die, because I'm going to kill you, and it's just sort of like an acceptance of death. Um, and another possible way to interpret it is that, well, the thing that John done is that John Dunn I don't really want to go into the whole thing, but John Donne kind of was, he was a Catholic, and he lived um, in the time of James I, who was the king right after Queen Elizabeth. Um, and so when he was a Catholic, and when he sort of became the court poet, he was sort of forced to convert to Protestantism, and he was very, very scared about the implications for his soul. And so if you look at it that way, you can read this poem as saying that he was trying to sort of psych himself up for death. You know, he's like, oh, yes, everybody ties. It's not so bad. It's, it's, it's like sleeping. It's, it's okay. It's, it's, it's just death. <laughs> yeah. So, right. So, you know, there's, there's two ways to read it. And, you know, by make, by titling these two chapters, as she did with the first line and the last line, she sort of draws these two chapters very close to that idea of death in that Severus and Hermione's relationship is life itself. And to kill, to separate them, to, to break them in half is to kill them. And so, you know, you can either look at it as though, maybe like in the, 
you can either look at it as though the you know Severus has just accepted it and he's okay with it, or you can look at it as though he's scared shitless and he doesn't know what to do. Especially in the the first chap, the first one of these chapters where he finally says, you know what, screw it, I'm doing it, I'm gonna do it for myself because I can't live like this anymore. I can't live without her. She's she's everything to me, and. You know, I don't care. I'm going to do it. And then, you know, it works. Thank God. And they read Hogwarts a history to her, and she sort of gets her memory back. And even though, I mean, her personality is a little different, but we don't know that just yet. I think we realize it in the next chapter or a few chapters after. But, you know, we see that she's back, and finally they're together again. And, like, that's it. They're back together. Death, thou shalt die. The end. English major, English teacher mode, over. That's a very nice English teacher diatribe monologue. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I don't normally get excited for monologues. Analogs, but like as su- John- Holy Sonnet 10 is just one of my favorite poems ever. And as soon as I saw the titles, I just got so excited. And then when I read the chapters where, you know, he's, they're sort of dead and yet they're not dead and yet he has to make the decision and, you know, just the whole connection with the idea of either he's accepted it or he's scared or the whole thing. I was just like, I just got so excited and those chapters were so intense that by the time I finished them, I was literally walking around my house holding my glass of wine and just reciting Holy Sonnet 10 over and over again in attempts to like (laughs) calm down. (laughs) It was horrible. (laughs) But that was my whole little thing. So, yeah, done. Hope I didn't bore anyone with my, like, English teacher speech. Yeah. No, not at all. Hooray. Okay, so anything I didn't cover in that that you guys wanted to mention? No, uh-uh. I, I think you you got it. Ooh, hooray. See, sometimes it pays to, like, get the really obscure references. <laughs> one of the other one of the other ones, I don't remember which, which chapter it was, but one of them was called Tigress, Tigress, Burning Bright, yes. which is a reference to um, William Blake. That made me think of P.S. because Tigress, P.S.'s favorite poem. Mm-hmm. Yay, hi, yes. And, you know, I don't remember what that chapter was about, but obviously I thought that the reference was cool. Yeah. See, normally, I just don't really remember, like, I don't really remember this, but I really hate when authors just kind of insert things where they don't belong. Like, I remember talking about this earlier with the sonnets and all that stuff and how much it bothers me. But chapter titles for future authors, chapter titles are a really good way to do it without doing it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, a little word of advice to anybody who's thinking of writing fanfic. Yeah. If you want to reference, if you want to reference literature, do it in the chapter titles. It's the only way to do it and not bother me. <laughs> Consideration of every fanfic author. Let's do my personal pet peeves. And once again, uh, we, we find a, another little funny moment in, in the midst of all this darkness, and it's, and so she had finally found a way to make Harry and Ron read Hogwarts a History. The thought they <laughs> yes. had to cry, but yeah, just the the whole concept of making them read Hogwarts history. I just thought that was fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, what? I would have thought that that was fun, except that right after it, the thought made Harry cry. Yeah, that killed it for me. Yeah, yeah. Weeping just, Harry is never good. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just seems like these chapters were just it, humor wouldn't have been funny. You know, any attempt it just would have fallen flat on its face. Just wasn't the time. You know, okay, somebody other than me talk. <laughs> I was really pleased when they, that the author had made a point of sort of bringing in, like, her sort of references to Hogwarts history all the way through the fic. So she built up to this point. It wasn't just a random, hey, yeah, and Hermione always talked about that book, so we're going to throw that in here. No, she used it. Yeah, there was definitely, you you saw it time after time, and she built up to this point, so it was not out of the blue or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really like the fact that when she's having Harry read it, like, she's talking about, like, sewage systems and stuff. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess, sure. The pipe system is designed to deal with the, yeah. 
plumbing <laughs> plumbing is important. It is I wrote a whole story about plumbing. It is important. Yeah. yeah. Any Pufuanian can tell you plumbing is key. That's very, very yes. true. We need our plumbing and no exploding toilets. So yes. fortunately, we have our magic potion. Our magic potion makes everything better in terms of rebuilding her mind and opening trap doors. And, and suddenly, she is back. Sort of. Sort of. Okay. Not really. No. A bit. She's awake. Kind of. Yeah. She's awake and she knows what happened, but she, she, like, she has all of her memories, but they're, it's not her. Yeah, it's almost like a carbon copy where she's yeah. she, there her memories and she remembers them but she doesn't have the kind she of the feeling behind it or she doesn't know she doesn't it. have the emotion to go with it. Yeah. It's it's like she's dejected or detached from all of it. That was rather painful to read. You know, everything was there but it was just it just wasn't with the there. detachment. Yeah. It's like the raw materials were there but they weren't you know, there was nothing tying them together. And those essential things that made her mind who she was are just, you know, lost and gone, possibly forever, mm-hmm. uh, he said. And then after a week of sitting there and everybody going, oh, Hermione, we love you. We love you. You're so wonderful. Finally, she was like, I can't take this anymore. I don't, maybe once I loved you, I don't love you anymore now. I have to get the hell out of here. And so she goes, it follows. Yeah. I really like this part, whereas I have to say the following bits when they're in Paris and whatever, and, and I was like, I, I could have done without those chapters. But, but this initial leaving and him saying, well, I understand that. I'm not stopping you. I'm just going with you. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Yeah. yeah. That was really nice. That he would give everything up to do that it was nice. Very bold romantic statement. Well, he had said so earlier in the fic, but it happened to be, it was also convenient for other reasons. Mm-hmm. So this was sort of the affirmation that, no, no, I really meant it. It wasn't just a convenience where I was saying, oh, yes, and for you, too. It wasn't, you know, like this was, right. you know, this was the proof that, no, really, it was it was always just to be with you. Right. Right. I kind of wanted to point out that I also really liked how Harry reacted to it. You know, he just said, you know, that's, yeah, she's gone and she may or may not come back and I have to be okay with that. You know, I, I liked the way that he handled that. He didn't run off and try to find them or go fly it out on his broom or do anything stupid. He just, you know, accepted it and tried to sort of reconcile it into his life. Which, again, mm-hmm. is another another way that it shows that he's grown as a person throughout the story because Harry, at the beginning of the story, would not have behaved like that. No. Right. Right. And actually, Miss Cody who is not here because the poor dear had a rather unfortunate encounter with orthodontry, wanted to, she wanted, you know, I asked her if she, there was anything she wanted us to cover, and she wanted us to mention that she said that the chapters of bringing Hermione back from the brink are some of the best character development in that context that I've seen in a long time, which is a little bit not related, but a little bit related, just by saying, just, I guess, to say that, you know, that event, I think, was really sort of a harrowing experience for everyone, and it affected everyone differently, as you pointed out, and... I think that Harry really sort of grew from it. Because even before this, you know, I feel like the effect of knowing that she was okay and not being able to go in and get her really, I think, just hit the nail on the head, you know, with Harry to sort of help him realize that, you know, sometimes you just can't... Fix people. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, there are certain things you just can't change. And, you know, what's the thing? Something about, like, God grant me the wisdom to know, to tell the difference Um, or something like that. Yeah, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Right. And I think this is one of those times where that is appropriate. 
Hooray. I am actually just realizing that I had not read the last couple of chapters. Mm. Well, the, the, she posted a new one, like, yesterday or today, which I haven't had a chance to read yet because I've just been so busy with grad school and stuff. Um, yeah, I read this several months ago, so... Oh, wow. I, I'm realizing that I've missed a few. Well, I mean, not not a whole lot happens in the last few chapters. I mean, once she comes back and, um, you know, they go off on their, on their sort of grand world tour... You know, they're in Paris, and they're looking at art, and she realizes that she wants to come back to be there and help out with the final battle. And so they go back, and we all want to kill the or bastard dude who we haven't talked about at all. Um, and that's it, pretty much. Okay. So this is a date. Okay. Well, I obviously need to do a little reading. I'm so, like, I, I gotta finish this fic. I don't know, I, I don't read WIPs, but I made an exception for this one, um, because Cody promised me that it was going to be finished. And so far, she's doing pretty good with it. By the time we get to the last chapter in here, the author's note at the top suggests that, says we've got, this is the second to last chapter other than the epilogue. Right. So we're nearing the end. So by the time we actually publish this... It so, might be done. Yeah, it might, it be, might done. be done. <laughs> I hope so. That would be fantastic. Yeah. But she's been writing this story for a really long time. That's true. But she had, yeah. you know, her her life sort of got in the way. Like, I know her husband had some serious health issues that she had to deal with and uh, things like that. But um, as far as I know, she's been pretty consistent banging him out recently. So it's good news. Yeah. Well, you got to give her kudos because it looks like it was started in 04. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, she's been she, at it for a really long time. Yeah. It is a long freaking time. But she's yeah. at least working on finishing it. That is an impressive span of time. To have contributed to one fic. It so, is. does anybody have final thoughts about the story? Anything else we want to go into? Well, I mentioned this uh, several weeks ago, which may have only actually been like two podcasts ago or whatever. But um, I really, really adore this fic. And one thing that I am just so looking forward to seeing, and I don't know if we're actually going to see it, but I remember while I was reading it, before... Hermione, like, got captured, or not captured, but before she, like, imperious Snape and did the whole thing, I was so looking forward to seeing the scene where Snape, Severus and Hermione sleep together for the first time, and even after that, I'm still really looking forward to that scene, just because I'm just so curious as to how she's going to handle it, or if she's going to deal with it at all. Because mm-hmm. I remember, like, I remember that Cody had said that physical intimacy really meant nothing to Hermione, and you know, I disagree with that because I think it it definitely has a meaning for her and an association for her, and a very negative one. You know, like she associates touch with like Malfoy, oh yeah, not with love. So you know, I I'm just so curious as to like when and how and it's gonna go down, and like when is she gonna finally like open up enough and trust Severus enough to. You know, to to let him touch her. You know, I'm just so like, oh, so curious as to how that's going to go down, and I really, really hope that she writes that scene. I really, really hope that she, that she does because I just, I, I so want to know how it goes, just how it happens. You know, Ugh, it's going to bug me. Now, wasn't but wasn't that part of how she kind of came back? Because that's, I was kind of just looking at that. That's when I realized I had not mm. well, um, they, read it. It, it. It's the two of them. I mean, it's not explicit in, in any way, but it's the two of them in bed together. He wakes up feeling skin touching skin. Right. And they don't. They don't have. They don't have sex. They just sleep um, next to each other, like in the same bed. Right. And I don't know how clothed they are. Obviously, at least I don't know. Well, I kind of picture that Hermione's like in a tank top. 
sort of thing. Okay. I could be there wrong. There was a line earlier that said that he missed his lover, so that's what threw me, and I'm not quite sure where that line was. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, like, I always, I mean, I got the impression throughout this fic that, you know, like, we know that he'd seen her naked um, and that she was okay with it, but I don't think they, they ever slept together. Yeah, maybe they did way. and I missed it, but I don't think that they had sex. Or maybe it was just implied. But that could be. I don't know. Yeah. I like to think that they didn't, and so I therefore really want to see the scene where they do, but I could very well be wrong. So I found this, I, I think I said this in the very first podcast on this because I was in the first one. The first and last, I did that well, didn't I? I was asked how I found this, and when I first found Pufo, I had written to Jen and said, give me fic recs, and this was one of them. And yeah. I started it when I was pet-sitting, and I was pretty much locked at a house because there was puppies that couldn't be left for more than an hour at a time. And so I had not a lot to do, and I just sat and started it there. And it was my first Hermione Snape fic. It was my first... Whoa, this was your first? Yes. Wow. So, and and I liked it. It wasn't, I mean, it's it's very dark and, and all of that, but it kept my attention, and it really kept me reading. And, and so, it, but it was a very interesting leap for me to... <laughs> start something like this but i kind of i i really liked it and i felt that it helped me to grow a little bit too because it was stretching my boundaries as well so wow this was really your first severus hermione wow that's quite a fic for your first one <laughs> I know. my god yeah. normally like with this ship it's so like you have to start slowly you know <laughs> just like wade in sort of test the water but no you just jumped right in there jumped right she in. didn't take any baby steps no baby steps. I, you know, like I said, it was something that was wrecked to me, and I, I had nothing better to do at that time, and all I had at that house was the puppies and a computer. So, wow, that's well, so it's funny, funny because yeah, this particular pairing has certain difficulties you you need to overcome. But the yeah. the two biggies for me is they've got to be above age, mm-hmm. and they can't be in a student teacher relationship. Yeah, and this mm-hmm. one navigated those waters okay. So the violence and the you know, that doesn't bother me. It's because my two sticking points were that they had to both be of age and they had to not be in a student-teacher relationship. Mm-hmm. And and I think that would be part of it for me because being a teacher, even though I have younger children, the student-teacher relationship would have thrown me. So I'm glad that it didn't start off with that, that it didn't have that at all. Because yeah. then I don't, I, I don't think I could have done it. Yeah, it would have bothered me too. It's usually one of the things I ask before I start a Severus or Mining fic. Are they of age and... Is a teacher student, and so long as they say yes and no, we're good. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of people really get squicked out by that because I mean, of all you know, I I haven't really encountered very many where they are in a student teacher relationship. I think you know a lot of people just it bothers them, so they find a way around it. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So did we do it? We made I it think it's done. Oh my god! <laughs> Quick, all alert the media. Yeah, it's finished. Oh my god. I'd done to death, but you know. Pofua has now officially covered a Severus Hermione fic. Yes. Pofua, I'm so proud of you. You've grown <laughs> over the years. You're a big girl now. Boy, whatever. <laughs> you've you've taken the leap into like the most untraditional pairing that exists. Well, I shouldn't say that, but yeah, very so so. people, yeah. <laughs> but you've you you've taken the leap and I'm very proud of you. Well done, Pofua. Well on that note, I think we will or at least I will. You guys can uh, do whatever you want. But I think on that note, we will sign off.
for the evening. Unless anybody we else has. No. Not we're good. Nope. And I have to go wash ten dozen eggs. Oh. Have well, a drink. Have that. Oh, Wait, yeah. eggs or potatoes? Eggs. No, the potatoes are already done, but we're, we filled all of our baskets, so I have to go empty a few baskets so that we can fill them up again tomorrow. My well, girls are, are laying really well right now. We're getting between 30 and 40 eggs a day. Whoa. Yeah. But they're good Wait. forever. Yeah, they're good for quite some time. That's true. These are brown eggs or white? They're brown. They're brown. And next week, we're getting 25 chicks. Ooh. All right. Then we'll watch... Sad? Yes. Yeah, they should all be female. They should all be hens. Which is good because my two roosters are now fighting. Uh-oh. It was fun the other day. They had a, a crowing contest. They were in opposite yards. And one would crow and the other would crow and one would crow. And the- Could you guys hear them earlier? I didn't close my door when I first came in. And... Um, we were podcasting, and, and I could hear them crowing, and I thought, oh, great, this is going to get picked up. I didn't hear them. Good. I didn't want to get up and go close the door. So. Yeah, I couldn't hear them. Well, I'm sorry yeah. I interrupted the goodbyes. No, it's okay. There's it, you know, there's never a bad time for chicken story. Nope, never a bad time. <laughs> never a bad time. <laughs> never a bad time for chickens. And at 8.15 in the morning, I have to be smiling and chasing two-year-olds. All right, then. Yeah, you got to smile and chase the two-year-olds. Yeah. With that being said, then, we will sign off. All right. Before it's been real. All right. Everybody have a good evening. Good night, everybody. Good night. So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I just love this part. on cast the next generation i'm sue i'm kayla i'm kelly and i'm scott dun, dun, dun. today we are going to be talking about a fic called greater than gravity by starting lines and the author's summary says i have never found audrey's lineage stated anywhere official but ron does make a remark to his daughter rose in the epilogue of deathly hallows that implies that he and his siblings ended up with no pure blood significant others I thought it would be interesting to come up with a scenario about how a muggle Audrey might have been introduced to Percy's lifestyle. Yes. And then we have a quote from Walt Disney's Sword in the Stone. Ah, you know, lad, that love business is a powerful thing. Greater than gravity? Well, yes, boy, in its way, I'd, uh, yes, I'd say it's the greatest force on Earth. I love that movie. I remember it as a kid. So we have Audrey and Percy literally bumping into each other on a busy sidewalk in London. And he stops her from dropping her coffee, which is what she's worried about. Apparently it's early in the morning and she wants her coffee. Actually, I think it's the afternoon. Yeah, it's her afternoon. Afternoon pick me up, yeah. Mm -hmm. In other words, she's addicted to caffeine. Golly gee. Hmm. Like 99% of the world. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) How odd is it that he was wearing a cloak on the city street? Can I say what I thought when I first saw 
<laughs> when I first read this, I didn't really read the top part of where it was about, who it was about and everything. <laughs> so at first I thought it was Dumbledore. You thought it was Dumbledore? Like, oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, what is this story about? So I scroll back to the top. I'm like, oh, Percy, that was playing the red hair. <laughs> but, yeah. Could have been a really young Dumbledore. But I think if I ran into someone wearing a cloak on the street, I'd be like, okay, gonna walk to the other side. <laughs> yeah. She's, but she's not t- entirely, I mean, she looks at it and says, well, it's not really cold, but she's not put off by it. You know, she's, she doesn't see it and say, oh, wow, that's really weird. He's wearing a cloak. She says, well, I guess it's cold enough for that type of outdoor attire. So it's not something that's totally um, unexpected yeah. to see on the It may street. be less uncommon over there than it is here. I'm not hmm. sure. So I was well, going to say, but a cloak still isn't a common thing that you usually see. Oh, well, I don't know. Because even um, in book one, Vernon talks about how all these young people with their weird fashions, but he doesn't really... Yeah, because they were all wearing cloaks. Yeah. Right. And he gets all indignant because there's a guy who must be his age also wearing a cloak. <laughs> right. <there. laughs> he saves her coffee from a uh, perilous fall. And um, I'm guessing that he's dropped probably some sickles and nuts out of his pocket. Because he doesn't let her help him pick them up. Right. Right. Yes, you know. No, no, I've got it. Really, you know, it's wizarding money and nothing that she should be seeing. Mm-hmm. I expect that he's just come out of the ministry and is go. I don't know where he would be going, but or maybe, maybe diagonally. Yeah, he may have been coming out the, of diagonally or something. It has the pub entrance, and the ministry has the underground department store entrance. Atrium. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, well, the, the the two ways to get into the atrium that we know of are the visitor's entrance, which is the... Um... Toilet? No, the telephone booth. And the other one is the flu. So those are the two. I thought we'd seen somewhere else that they went in Deathly Hallows. They had the extra security or something, yeah. Yeah, I think they changed. I think they were. They had the flus locked. You couldn't get in mm-hmm. by flu. You had to get in through the, the toilet. toilet. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was at a... It looked like a boarded-up storefront or something. That or like restroom or something? Costume like dummies and things. Yeah, because oh, yeah. wasn't the theater? There was a the theater off to the side because that's where they stowed the the three that they polyjuiced into to yeah. get into the Something like that. But we're like way, way off the story here. <laughs> anyway, for some that's reason, new. Percy is walking in Muggle London in a cloak right. and carrying his regular money. And she it's... invites him to... Uh, go with her to the underground, which is the London subway. Which he is a little startled at, and then you can just, you know, see the things clicking in his brain, and he's like, oh, Dad's going to love this. Mm-hmm. And then he gets all excited about going. Well, I think it's more I, like you have a pretty girl who wants you to walk with her, and sure, why not? Oh, yeah. 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 I was thinking he's father like son when he was down there, because we don't know if that's his first time down there or not either, so... Can imagine he pretty much had Mr. Weasley's face yeah. going around. Yeah, so well, he's she, looking at everything. She, is, in there. Um, she thinks he's putting on a show of being interested in absolutely everything, and she's amused <laughs> by it. But <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. probably only seen it once or never before. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we know yeah. that he's fairly new to it. So then we jump 47 days mm-hmm. later. Now, we had a discussion about this, about somebody said they thought that she had moved in. Well, 
when we originally did this story, we want, we talked about how she was in the house. We thought that he had given her a key or... Maybe if, she was coming to visit or they usually got <laughs> together on Saturdays or something like that. Right. And then when I reread it this time, I wondered if maybe she had spent the night. Because it sounds to me like he got called into the office mm-hmm. while she was there. And I looked for any reference to her having a key. And there is no reference to her having a key. However, Mm -hmm. further down the line here, he asks her, you know, do you fancy me? And I don't think that she would be moved in if she didn't say that already. So I think that I think that they had planned to go do something together. And he got called in and said, wait here for me. I shouldn't be very long. Yeah, that makes sense. That's kind of what I picked up. Yeah. Okay. She's on in his flat anyway. And she's. Just sort of wandering around, I guess. Looking for food. (laughs) Yeah, she wants a bit of a snack. But he never really has anything in his kitchen, which is kind of odd. Oh, well. There's these fresh fruit and chocolates. I want to move in. But she has (laughs) been there often enough that she knows a couple of things about him. She knows that he has the TV, but he doesn't watch it. Because it's always on the same channel she leaves it on. Right. And she knows that he rarely has food in the house except for some fruit and chocolates. So she's obviously been there several times before mm-hmm. because she's been able to establish a pattern. Well, yeah. she, she's, you know, she probably has been there for dinner or after dinner or something, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are some neat things about him because, of course, we know that he never has food because either he goes home or there's food at the ministry and he just conjures things and all that sort of stuff. Or he goes to, or Whereas, he goes to Leaky. Right. Or Chance figures it. Can't you do that? Where she just figures he probably eats at the vending machine or goes out all the time because he's relatively young and doesn't like cooking or whatever. Right. I can sympathize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't you wish you could sit down at your, you know, pull a, an apple out of the refrigerator and, like, and transform it into yeah. like a steak? <laughs> Not steak per se, but so you know what I mean. Hamburger, surprise. <laughs> not something non-meat. Well, okay, a salad then. Yeah. Well, that's salad. That's boring. <laughs> no, no, I, you know what I mean. I know. <laughs> not a house. Anyway, she's go. eating her apple, which is what she went to the counter for. When all of a sudden. <laughs> She's interrupted by an owl trying to fly in the window. I'm surprised he didn't try to fly into the window. Right. You know, it's Errol. Errol. You just never know what Errol's going to do. I'm surprised it's still alive. I you think it would have been Oh, I don't know, because I, I think that this is... I mean, birds can live for a long time. He was old before. He was old before, but say this is like, I don't know... Five years after Laura? Five years, yeah, maybe. Percy's still mid-twenties anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. which means it's probably no more than two or three years after Deathly Hallows. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Errol's probably on his last feather here, but he's still, you know, yeah. still going. <laughs> and so she shrieks, which, you know, you can't blame her. Not a lot of muggles are used to owls appearing in the window. Best we can hope for is Sparrow or something. Right. Yes. Her bat. Yes. Her and bat. Errol promptly <laughs> starts stealing her apple, which right. amuses well, me. She dropped it. <laughs> yeah. You know, fair game. He's yeah. probably thinking it's for him anyways. So she drops the apple and Errol flies in and gets down and starts to eat it. And she's kind of, you know, freaking out, trying to figure out what to do. Can she get rid of it? Is she going to have to wait for Percy to get back? You know, she doesn't want to just cower there until he gets there. So she's trying to 
to decide what to do when she realizes that he's got something attached to his leg. Males mm. here. Which is weird. <laughs> Males here. Males here. Male oh, I just, I always have that, you know, that audio clip in my head. Is it like Ron's voice? It's like, oh, Miles here. Is that off a of Pottercast? Or is it... No, that's first movie. Yeah, yeah, that's from the first time, movie. But they use that clip, I think, in like Pottercast or Mugglecast back in the day. I'd be like, Miles here. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's probably Could true. So she gets the feeling that she's wanting to take a look at it, but she's not quite sure, and she's getting more and more curious. So, so she finally goes <laughs> over and, and pulls the, well, goes over to him, and he kind of waddles over to her and says, Here! <laughs> take it. Sticks out the leg. <laughs> And she's sure, even as she's doing it, that he's going to attack her any second. Right. <laughs> but she she does it anyway. The thing is that owls don't do that. Owls don't do what? Don't Stick attack people that approach them on a regular basis. Yeah, no, true. they fly off. They're yeah, they do. I've never <laughs> seen an owl. <laughs> okay. Even hawks and such wouldn't generally attack people unless no. you happen to be like, right near their them. nest. Unless you're attacking them. Of course, I mean, if if it was a wild bird and it was cornered, it would attack you. Well, sure, yeah. but this is waddling over to you. I don't think it's cornered. Hi, how you doing? I'm going to eat you now. <laughs> Pigeons attacked Jen in New York, so that's true. Uh, well, you know what? <laughs> um, apparently, um, there's a couple of hawks near our airport area, and there happens to be a couple senior day homes there as well. And I guess it's nesting season or something, and uh, there's people getting attacked by the birds. I, that, that I'm not surprised at. Because they, that's, happened in, that's happened in Washington, yeah. D.C. That's happened in the Capitol. Like they're, get, like, they're leaving blood. Like, they're coming around a few times and knocking people down, and mm-hmm. oh my god. Yeah, they'll fiercely protect their nests. And there's nothing you can do about it either, it sounds like, or not that. They have to find the nest and move it, and they won't do that because... Well, apparently there's no bylaw. That's what they're yeah, saying. That's the problem. We're pretty sure. I think she'd have noticed if Errol had a nest in the <laughs> apartment. But he does have a water dish. Yeah, she didn't notice the water dish on top of the refrigerator. Well, I suppose if it's kind of in the back corner, you wouldn't quite see it. So, so Percy comes back and does his coming home from work routine. And I guess he just forgot it was a Saturday or that she was there or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apparently she was waiting for him. So yes. she must have been there when he left. <laughs> he all forgotten and when she cleared her throat. At least she will mm-hmm. him him. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He He's a little bit him. shocked first because he didn't think yeah. she'd be that angry for just waiting for him, but then she tells him there's a letter and he looks and he sees that it's a parchment and written with a quill and that sort of thing. He he thinks at first that she got it out of his desk, because that's where he keeps all the mail from home, I guess. Well, he thinks that maybe he forgot to uh, put it away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Except she points towards the kitchen where Errol's sitting on top of the fridge. So Errol is yeah. on the refrigerator. Errol's like, oh, the person I'm supposed to deliver the letter to, where's the letter? Must retrieve the letter. the letter back from Bobby. Takes it back from her, takes it over to him, him, and, and then he attacks him. him until he opens it and reads it properly. Because <laughs> apparently Molly's given him orders that he has to read it or something. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I guess she'd written, and Charlie has been hurt at work. He was trying to restrain Norbetta, I guess, after one of the colleagues had accidentally tampered 
with her eggs and Charlie ended up with a broken leg and I guess it's not one that's able to heal so he's come home and she's looking after him while he recovers and she wants Percy to come right away to visit (laughs) at the end she's P.S. Your father would like you to bring something called cola when you visit. Something Someone told him it's a muggle thing similar to butterbeer, and he's been going on about it ever since. Fizzy that. drinks. <laughs> that is a little odd. You pointed out there that um, all he has is a broken leg, and Madame Pomfrey is routinely mending those from like Quidditch accidents and things. Mm-hmm. He yeah. must have really, Charlie really messed his home. leg up. He yeah. must have. Mm-hmm. I mean, Percy seemed to. Or else there's to something about dragon injuries, or I don't know. Yeah, that's very possible. Hmm. Or he's going to be, you know, it, he's come back to the burrow so that she can look after him. I want to know how you accidentally tamper with dragon eggs. Oh. Um, I don't know. Trip over them. Um, juggle them. I don't know. Where was Hagrid? <laughs> I wonder if it was Hagrid. <laughs> went on vacation. I think he might know better than that, because he did read all those books and dragon breeding and everything. We're talking about Hagrid here. He would have gone to yeah, play I was going to say, he probably took a couple. Oh. <laughs> he's not the smartest when he's picking at animals, but he knows all about them. Right. That's, yeah, I guess so. So Percy, has to, Percy writes her back, except the ballpoint <laughs> pen doesn't work, so he yanks out the um, quill and ink. The quill and ink. And scribbles the message back and then gives it back to Errol to take back to mom. Right. And then he realizes, hmm, uh, this yeah, probably you, looks kind of strange. <laughs> I know. Oops. Oops. <laughs> I forgot you were there again. Yeah. Why did you call that awful by name? <laughs> Why did it fly in here with a letter for you? What is going <laughs> on? Oh, boy. Well, it's uh, sort of... Uh, Family pet? <laughs> a pigeon? <laughs> like a carrier pigeon? Um, well, not quite, but yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, he does at least admit that there's more to it than just training him like a pigeon, but um, it's good that she has something to equate it with, I guess. Yeah. yeah. He eventually decides that he's going to have to explain things and... Really, he's been meaning to explain things, but he's never been sure when's a good time because who knows if she'll, if she's close enough to him that uh, she'll need to know. I like his his way of trying to explain things. Is he starts off asking her if she knows what fairy tales are, which just confuses her. But then they go into well, yes, of course you know what they are. But he asks what her favorite one is. Well, first he says, first he asks her if she fancies him. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Would you? How much would you say you like me? Excuse me? It's just that I meant to tell you this, but, well, it's quite a personal thing. And so he's trying to figure out how to tell her that he's if he magical, risky, yeah. but she wants, he really needs to know how, you know, do you like me a lot? The, right. Yeah, he can't break the statute of secrecy for just anyone. Right. And there's, you know, do we know, when do you get to tell people that you're a wizard if you're marrying or seeing a a muggle and when i mean there's obviously time that they're gonna discover stuff like she just did right or yeah. what so i mean you, well and it's never at the same time we we have had a couple instances where one spouse didn't know the other one was a witch or a wizard yeah um seamus's parents seamus's parents is one tom riddle's parents you know yeah, that's true and I'm wondering too, because we know he still works at the ministry, and isn't he like still 
Yeah, he says yeah, later. He's the senior he's undersecretary. Senior undersecretary. Got Dolores's <laughs> old job. Mm, good, but oh, so I'm wondering if he has like certain power over that a bit. Yeah, he might have, you know, special dispensation. Actually, I I looked at it more like this: you get people that will have that that double life, where they'll they'll hide the magical abilities from one person or another. But mm-hmm. I think that in this case, so much of his life is wrapped around being part of the magical world. There is no way that he could divide the two. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're looking at somebody who is a green grocer, mm-hmm. who's, who's a witch, they can divide those two because you really don't need to use your magical abilities to do your job. Mm-hmm. But in this case, you do. I mean, right. it's like being a healer. You would have to know mm-hmm. because too much of your life is tied up in it. And I was kind of looking around this time, too. I started looking at it from the perspective of, you know, like down the road and in their future and everything. If they did get married and they did have kids and I was just wondering how that would work because, you know, one only one person would have the power. So in a way, with certain things, I think you would have to rely on them because, oh, what am I trying to say? You know, what happens like, when your kids have accidental In magic. trouble, yeah. Or yeah. if your kids are just in trouble with normal human things. Like, say, your husband who is magical is not around and something serious is happening. Like, that would be kind of frustrating, I think, to know that there is magic possible, but at the moment you're helpless and stuff. I don't know. Well, and, so. and and with the Finnegans, you know, they had a child who was magical. So, mm-hmm. you know, it turns out that Seamus is, and but they were already married. And I, we don't mm-hmm. know when the the father found out that the mother was a witch. Mm-hmm. But I was under the impression that they were still together because mm-hmm. he talks about his dad and he talks about his mom reading the Daily Prophet. My impression was with the Finnegans was that they got married when they got married the other one didn't know the one didn't know the other one was a witch and then right. he found out and they were well, still I wasn't together really, yeah. i wasn't saying that they wouldn't be together but i'm just saying if the dad wasn't around saying like he was at work or something or you know tied up in another engagement mm-hmm. and say i don't know it just gives a whole new meaning to wait till your father gets home <laughs> <laughs> right and you know i imagine that it, the magic person would set up wards or set up different oh, things yeah. before they left. So it, there'd be ways to get around it. Yeah. So he asks if she fancies him, and, and I love her answer. She says, well, I suppose that before that owl flew at my head, I would have said that I fancied you quite a lot. She tripped over her, her own words, and Percy had to smile, and she continued. And now I'm still a bit frazzled by the owl flying at my head, but I'm sure that if the reason were understandable... And I think I might still fancy you. And she cleared her throat even a bit more, perhaps. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And he forgets entirely why he asked her the question in the first place, because he's just (laughs) grinning. Right. Right. (laughs) Okay. So then he asks her, do you know what fairy tales are? And And she's like, of course. Yeah. Which one's your favorite one? She is understandably startled because this has nothing to do with anything as far as she can tell so it turns out that she really likes the sword in the stone which of course has merlin (laughs) and she has to explain to him what that is because he doesn't know the story that goes with the title right right he knows the story but he knows it in a different different way yeah and he's all excited because he's like excellent excellent i've heard of it and she's like what are you going on about he's like well it just makes it easier that you're already familiar with it and he's like audrey (laughs) <laughs> he's real. Who, King Arthur? Of course he's real. 
no, no, of course, King Arthur's real. No, I meant Merlin, Audrey. You mean like Merlin, author's mentor? But Merlin, the wizard, he was real. <laughs> Does my being familiar with Merlin the wizard have to do with anything, Percy? <laughs> and there it is. Yeah. Um, right, well, um, I am one. <laughs> Yo, <wizard>. A Merlin? <laughs> And then she's waiting for the punchline. Yeah. yeah. You're joking. You're having a go at me. <laughs> living with the twins, joking is much more obvious than that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But... And, and he... like mine, I'd like to think I have a better sense of humor than that. That's cute. But yeah, he's making references them. to things that, he, yeah, she has no, no idea what he's talking about again. Mm-hmm. So she's still puzzled. She's trying to digest this. And then, so she kind of changes direction a little and asks him mm-hmm. about the letter that yeah. came in. And he doesn't know what to tell her. For one, he's worried about Charlie. Mm-hmm. And for two, he's not sure, you know, this is a, about a dragon. You know, what is she going to think dragons about dragons? Are kind of a, Another a thing. <laughs> jump into, yeah. you know, throwing and, and, her into the deep end. And he's trying to figure out where she's going and... Mm-hmm. You know, is he going to have to do something about this? And in the meantime, she's jumped up and run over to where the letter is, and he and summons it. And he summons it with wandless magic. Wandless and, cool. as far as I can tell, silent, silently, silent, yeah, nonverbal as well. Yeah. And she manages to catch it on the way. It's <laughs> not what he had in mind. Yeah, she but... snags it, and I love him. You'd have been a great seeker. A what? Uh, never mind. (laughs) Yeah. Forget I mentioned it. (laughs) They have a lot of good exchanges in this story. And so she goes on to read the letter, and the word that she picks on on the most in the letter is Is the word dragons. Dragons. (laughs) Of course. But you work in an office, like dragons office doesn't, doesn't quite go, go together. Well, yeah. First of all, she's like, who's Charlie? And he's like, he's my brother. He works with dragons in Romania. And she, then she's like, but you work in an office. And I, I love Percy because then he's like, all he straightens himself up and he puffs out his chest and he's like, I'm the senior assistant to the Minister of Magic. And you, yes. just, you can just see him do it, you know, just all poofed up. And then he kind of wilts and says, well, we all can't have dangerous jobs. <laughs> Oh, cute. <laughs> so clearly. You can kind of see him wilt, like, but, but. Oh. Yeah, well. My know. job's cool, too. Right. He also has to explain oh, yeah. what the borough is, which you can understand. Yeah. You know, yeah. Most people don't have names for their houses these days. But as for proof of magic, because the letter wasn't quite enough, he brings out the drinks. Right. Pours her mead silently again floating glasses, which actually harks back to the uh, Sword Stone Disney thing. Merlin has floating dishes all over the place. Oh, yeah. But it also harks back to the canon because Dumbledore did that to the Dursleys. She's not quite (laughs) sure about drinking it, but she does go ahead. And then she asks to see his wand. (laughs) Oh, she's just surprised because she figures wizards are supposed to have staffs or wands or something. He's like, oh, yes, I do have one. I just didn't want to <laughs> surprise you with it. So. Yeah. <laughs> like, where's your wand? No, the other wand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we've just gone into I don't think that had happened oh, this sorry. conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Probably wouldn't occur to him just then, I don't think. No, and, and she's, you know, he says, I didn't want to startle you. And she said, I think I passed startled when the owl flew at my head. 
And then she asks if he can make her forget that. And he thinks that means that she wants to. And yeah. he's kind of disappointed. But yeah, he's a lot disappointed. Well, yeah, because he if, he, that, because if yeah. he has to obliviate her, he's not going to be able to see her again. Yeah, mm -hmm. he'll have to sort of go on for a little while and find some way to break it off. Because I could see Percy having bought this flat for her benefit. Or if not that, definitely the TV. Yes. Yeah. The TV, yeah, it's yeah. window dressed. So, but she says, no, she doesn't want him to make her forget all of this. And in fact, she would like to see more. Yeah. and Charlie. She wants to meet got... your mom and your brother. So that means he doesn't have to think of somewhere to put her or wait till she leaves, which is all to the good. And... Right. And then he and asks, he asks her... her the final question. <laughs> cola is. Audrey, you know... do you know what cola is? <laughs> <laughs> oh, why didn't we have him read the whole thing like that? And that is the and that is the end of the first part. Um, this is available on LiveJournal, and we'll have a link for it in the show notes. In a community called Weasley-esque. Join us next week for the sequel, Greater Than Gravity 2. Well, I guess I'll say, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.